Welcome everyone to Be Better Betters. I'm the host, Spanky. Thanks for listening. My guest this week is one of the first bookmakers I ever played with. He's a good friend of mine and one of the sharpest guys I know. He currently bets for a living as an expert on prop betting. Please welcome Christopher Bruno. Chris, thanks for coming on. Hey, Spank, how are you? Pretty good. Yourself? Uh, not bad. Thank you for the introduction. Oh, uh, no problem, brother. So I always like to start off every interview, Chris, with how was life growing up? Uh, life growing up was pretty basic. Uh, grew up in Valley Stream, which is one town east of the Queens border. Uh, went to Catholic school uh, from kindergarten till you know, 10th grade or whatever. Parents, one parent, one of my parents got sick. One lost, my dad lost his job. So we had to go to public school. And um, that was about it. Uh, ended up having a, did very well on my uh, SAT in math. Got a scholarship to Adelphi. And uh, kind of just dropped out of college though. So while you were in high school, you know, being, because I, I, I also went to Catholic schools, were the football cards present a lot there? Did you do a lot of football tickets? In Catholics? No, not in I went to Archbishop Malloy. Um, didn't have a lot of friends going because we would take the train in. Everybody was scattered all over. You had your school friends, but there was no um, socializing, I guess. You know, you just kind of went to school and uh, took the Long Island Railroad, the subway and the Long Island Railroad home. And that was about it. I uh, started gambling. Uh, first time was on a football ticket. Uh, which I think a lot of people do. That's kind of where they get their start. Uh, went four to four on my first ticket. Um, and uh, That's always trouble. <laughs> yeah, it's always try, 100%. Always try. I hit my first daily double. Uh, actually, well, I'll tell you that part later. But uh, that was that was 10. Yeah, that was probably in about 11th grade. And uh, from then on, it was basically three out of four, three out of four. And then... Um, I had said to the guy who got me the tickets, man, I go three out of four all the time. You know, I wish you could bet these straight. And uh, I grew up with no gambling in my background. No, you know, my dad worked for the Long Island Railroad. My mother was a nurse. Um, no gambling. I mean, nothing ever, you know. Um, didn't even know what a point spread was until I got the football ticket. Uh, you know, they never talked about it on TV or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I look back and you see interviews with like Jimmy the Greek, old videos of him. He'll say, you know, I, I don't even think he could say who he liked to cover the spread. He would say they'd win by seven. So you'd never really, you know, I never even put two and two together back then. Yeah. Doing that. But uh, yeah. And then, and then that was, he gave me a phone number for somebody, uh, the guy from the ticket that I could bet. And I started betting $25 straight bets. Five times, five timers. Five timers. Yes. Yes. Okay. You remember that. Most people don't. But uh, yes, five timers. And um, I did that for a while. And I remember going to the track. And did, I you ever, what, what, did your five timers? Because I didn't realize it at the time too. But when I was in high school, my bookmaker was charging me 30 to win 25, which is laying 120. My, my bookmaker, how do you like, he was, char- not, he was charging me 28, but he was charging me juice on baseball and hockey on big because if, I don't know, you know, how many people go back this far, but I never knew what a dime line was. It was never written in the newspaper. 90% of the people in the eighties would just use the line out of the daily news and, or the post and the baseball spread would be, you know, seven and a half, eight and a half. Mm -hmm. And when, or a hockey game would be half one. 
You know, so yep. you did have the so you if you took the favorite, you would lay a goal. If you took the dog, you'd be plus a half. If you took the favorite, you'd be laying a goal. And then if you lost that goal, if you bet it for twenty times, the guy would charge you one ten. He didn't know any better. The guy just yeah. not only were you betting it like you had no shot. You know no what I mean? Shot. Like yeah, absolutely no shot. Yeah. And, and even, uh, even a football tickets, if you wanted to, an over under, you could go over thirty eight and a half or under thirty six and a half. Yeah, yeah, those I, I didn't really play. Just I didn't even really put time into totals back then. I didn't even know it was just the game. It was probably I just took whatever was on TV, whatever looked, you know. Only bet from the left side of the newspaper, you know. I didn't even know that what an underdog was. Just mm-hmm. oh, this team should win, and that's what it is. But I remember losing to the bookmaker like four or five hundred dollars. A lot of I was a busboy at the time, and uh, I had no idea how I was going to pay him. I went to the track with a bunch of us. And uh, some guy said, uh, some guy at the track, I don't even know who he was. I said, any advice? And he goes, I said, I got to pay my bookmaker just as a joke. And he goes, buddy, when, when uh, you need something, Angel Cordero will always uh, help you out. Bet him in the late double. And bud, I played a late double with Angel Cordero. I don't remember what, how much I played or whatever, but I just know I won over 600 bucks on the double and had enough money to pay the bookie. Wow. Probably the last double I hit, but you know. <laughs> so, so man, that's just unbelievable. First bet you hit, you hit a four yeah. for four. First double you hit. So uh, now you're riding high. Do you, you know, it, uh, do you consider yourself getting addicted at this point, or a hundred percent? Oh, a hundred percent. It was just yes, a hundred percent. I just love to gamble. Um, you know, more probably lost more girlfriends from it early on. Uh, yeah, just I loved it. You know, I would listen to WFAN all the time. Uh, I remember one, probably 88, 89, Mike Francesa, he gave out bowl picks. I think he went 10 for 10. He was probably eight for eight, 10 for 10 or 12 for 10. I don't remember, but he hit every game with the point spread. And I remember I crushed it that day. But, you know, that's, I figured he would have to know more than me. And, uh, you know, but totally, totally addicted. I mean, just, you know, and no shot, just a complete sucker. No uh, analytics behind it, no nothing. Just this team should win, and that's it. It's funny you mention that because I remember, you know, Mike and the Mad Dog, in the, you know, in our area, in the New York area, and yeah. Jersey, they were the only place that actually mentioned a point spread or that mentioned, you know, that would give picks on Friday. I remember they'd have a little segment where they'd give you the picks for the week, and that was just unheard of back then. But they were pretty gung ho with that. Like they were, it's like it was like a, a revolutionary in a sense. He would do it, and so would the overnight guy, Jody, Jody McDonald. He would give the over on Friday night. I remember calling him, getting advice from him. He, he also liked wrestling. But, uh, you know, you would, we would call him up and ask him games, and he would, he would tell us games, and we would talk about teasers with him. And, uh, you know, he would always say it's hard enough to pick one. Don't try to pick three. It's called a teaser for a reason. And, uh, but, you know, that's going back a while. But, yes, Francesca would always give out him and, and um, Mad Dog. They would give out point spreads. They were the only ones. What a time. So, all right. So now you're betting, you know, you, you graduate high school. You're good now. You, you, you don't really, you know, your college is not for you. When, yeah. um, what are you doing now to earn? Are you saying, hey, maybe I could go, you know, when does the bookmaking element come in? Um, a while, maybe a couple more years. Uh, still gambled. Ended up getting a sheet, you know, asked a friend would want to bet. So I would just turn him on to the bookmaker and the guy would give me like 20%, which I thought was a lot of money. I mean, I didn't really have to do anything. It was, you know, guys giving me 20% of my friend's losses. So can which describe, I ended up. Can we describe to the listeners what a sheet is? Some people might not understand what that is. Oh, it would be, um, 
if I'm betting with, you know, somebody by the name of Frank or whoever it was, if I bet with him and um, I give him another customer, let's say my friend wants to bet with the same, he wants an account with the bookmaker that I know. He doesn't know the bookmaker. I hook him up with him so he can get his own, you know, account, phone number, whatever. It was only phone numbers back then. Uh, and then in return, whatever he lost, I would get a percentage like as a referral, like, you know, forever, just as long as he kept losing. Uh, and we, I probably had maybe six or seven guys that, um, that I would refer to the bookmaker. One of them was my anthropology teacher from Adelphi who actually lost $1,600. And I he just, he told me he didn't have it. The oh my God. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I was, I, I was so embarrassed back then. Um, I just never really, I just stopped going to class. I, you know, I look back on it now. I'm like, what was I? But I was like, probably 17 my birthday's you know late october so i was at the very beginning of the semester maybe about a month into it and he just saw the sheet said he lost his guy you know can he have an account and like the first week he was betting with the first week he bet he didn't have it. he did not have the money that was the anthropology and i just never went back to the guy's class i was embarrassed he should have been embarrassed but i ended up with i was the one who was embarrassed amazing time you know imagine in this day and age where a 17 year old is given a sports betting account to an anthropology professor like holy shit you know what i mean that in, was... in high school i was given the the tickets to the janitors in the, the, the high school uh, the janitors were getting football tickets mm -hmm. and uh it was i didn't even make anything it would just ask for a ticket from my guy and they would fill it out they give me the money and then i would give it to the you know where i was getting the tickets from my but, high school uh, janitor was an indian guy and we he would actually make plans with me and my friends to go to meet at the racetrack so we would meet my high school janitor at the meadowlands this indian guy and he would always tell us you know always bet the white horse and it was just it was just such a crazy time in which if anybody ever find out that we were going to the racetrack with the janitor you know what i mean it's just nuts but well, we looked at it like it was normal you know we looked at it like the janitor's cool you know? yeah exactly the janitor's great the janitor's all he would you know no matter what he was he was a good guy he's a good yeah. guy so, All right, um, so, so after, yeah, yeah, go ahead. So you so got yeah, a nice sheet, sheet. Have a nice sheet. Um, and I kind of, I, I kind of laid low on the bedding for a while. Uh, ended up, where am I? I started a moving business and, um, I, I, so I was working for somebody, I ended up starting my own and it was really good. I was rolling like three or four trucks a day, making crazy, making phenomenal money. Um, live with a girl. Everything was, you know, everything was fine. Everything is good. Um, still making a little bit of money. Kind of let the sheet go because uh, it, it wasn't that, you know, guy, it was just guys didn't want to pay this and that. I'd have to be responsible. So I kind of let that go. Um, and I don't know, I guess I got the bug maybe two, two years later. I don't really know why. I don't know if a game set me off. Does AC um, ever come into play now? You're 21. Oh yes, yeah. I was going to AC with the girl a lot, maybe every other weekend. Just the degenerate, just like no shot at you know going to blackjack and not even knowing, you know, hitting on not hitting on 16 and just not had no idea how to play, you know. Um, but we had a, had a ball. Just had a ball doing it. Uh, didn't like lose. I was not. I would never say I was a degenerate casino player ever, you know. Um, I didn't really know how to play, but you know, I would, maybe I'd lose two or 3000 in a weekend. It wasn't, you know, nothing uh, that I couldn't afford at the time, but it was a lot of fun, you know? Um, but it was only slots and only blackjack. And again, really had no idea how to, how to play. Uh, so I kind of just kind of stopped that. Um, 
guess maybe I, then I started gambling again, losing, you know, that wasn't a good look. Uh, girl ended up, I was living with her. She, I ended up getting kicked out of the apartment because I wasn't going anywhere in life. Oh, totally right. She was 100% correct. Um, now, I guess now this brings us up to maybe 95 ish, 1995. So I got to be maybe 24. And um, my friend, my, my best friend owns a bar, and his sister is the barmaid, and she gets, uh, she's sick for the day. So he asked me if I can go to the bar. I'd never worked in a bar. He asked me if I can just work in the bar for him. It was a Saturday afternoon. And I said, but I have no idea what to do. He's like, listen, just charge $3 for a shot, $2 for a beer, and just, you know, that's that. So I said, all right, I'll, I don't even know how to ring the register. He's like, I trust you, just do it. Okay, fine. So I'd say only about five o'clock, this guy comes walking in and uh, he says, give me the you know, biggest glass you got with Bacardi and Coke. So I show him a glass, no, something bigger, something big. So he ends up drinking this 20 ounce thing, just chugs this Bacardi and Coke back. He's about, again, maybe I'm 24 at the time. He's probably 27. And uh, so we just start talking. And this is in Limbrook in, uh, on Long Island. And um, right next door to us is Crown Ford. And I'm like, uh, what brings you in? Because this bar, it was like an old man gin mill. I mean, like you had to be like 70 to go in there, you know? So like, why is this guy walking in there? And uh, he's like, I just had to sell my Jaguar. I'm a bookie. And I said, uh, oh, really? You know, well, why'd you sell your Jaguar? He goes, a customer. Uh, a customer beat me. And I'm like, and he had to pay. He goes, I had to pay him. I mean, could you imagine a bookmaker today selling his car to pay a player? I mean, like, think about this. I mean, how so much strong. the world is. So I, strong. I, I, it's, you know what, at the time it wasn't really even strong. It was just the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. But that's just, it, yeah, exactly. It just didn't even natural. Keep, it just came natural. Right. Correct. Now it's like, we look at like if a guy, if a bookie pays his debt, it's, but that's all, that's later. Um, so just, I really got along well with this guy and, uh, we started talking and, um, I guess I closed the bar maybe midnight. Again, it was an, an old man type of place. So I guess I, he asked me if I wanted to go to after I was with him over in Elmhurst, uh, off Queens Boulevard. And I said, sure. So we end up going out, have a really good time. Um, I started hanging out with him little by little. Uh, I would, I went to his office to, um, you know, just to whatever, meet him or do whatever. And I had never been in a bookmaking office before ever. And he had maybe two clerks answering the phone. Uh, they were a mess. I mean, everybody was doing coke. It was, it was just, it was, he was a great guy, but very, very disorganized. His name was Dana or is Dana. Um, but, but the nice, best hearted, greatest, one of, probably the greatest guy I ever met. Most honest, just everything about him. Even though he was a mess, he was just always the most loyal, everything. So just talk and get along and talk and get along. And uh, still going out. Now I'm partying, you know. Um, I'm turning into a bit of a, you know, a mess. I'm hanging out with him or whatever. So I guess one day I go by the office. It's like 4:30. There's nobody there. You know, the phone says the phone starts ringing. So I felt comfortable enough with Dan. I just picked it up, and the guy says, "Hey, it's I don't remember who it was, but he'll be like it's Scott for, you know, 22 or whatever." So I'm like, "Yes, Scott. What do you need?" And, he would ask the line. And again, we, there was no Don Best or anything. I think at the time, 95, 96, we were using um, sports consultants in Nevada. I think that's, I think Dana paid him a hundred dollars a month and he was supposed to call us with updates with the, we'll call Dana with updates. So I had the paper. I just read him a line. I wrote the bet down and that was it. Guys end up coming in later. 
and uh, they just take over for the day. And I guess it continues like this, but I'm hanging around the, I just like being there. I like being around the action. I'm really not even betting anymore. I'm just, you know, just nothing to really, you know, I don't, I can't bet with Dana and I'm there all the time and I, I see the business. And uh, I end up, Dana ends up giving me like, I don't know, coffee. I end up being like a gopher for them, just going to get coffee back and forth and uh, every day. And uh, I pick up the phone another time and I just hear somebody on the phone, just the desperation in their voice. He's like, hey, buddy, I need a winner. You know, I need a winner. Who's going to win? I got to get out of the hole. I got to pay my mortgage. I got it. Like, but I don't know. I'm just, I could just write your bet. You know, that's all I could do for you. And I'm like hung up the phone and I just had like this just reality, just like, that's me. You know what I mean? That, that was me for like the last eight years of my life. Like that is me. And, um, and I don't think from that day on or whatever, I don't think I ever made another sucker bet again. You know, I don't think I ever, uh, didn't, I don't think I ever just winged it, so to speak, you know, ever again. And, um, and then, you know, just gradually, well, you know, just gradually it just, my role became a little bit, you know, more important. Um, and you know, we just kept growing and growing. That's unbelievable. If, if your buddy doesn't call you to go to that bar, or, oh, no, not even if his employee doesn't call out that day, he never calls you. You never meet Dana. Your whole life is completely changed completely changed but the butterfly effect I, I love that shit like that's a, the most amazing thing how this thing leads to this that leads to that that leads to this and then boom you're there I, so I, it, I can honestly say from that day and even the 10 eight years before that when I was drinking or drinking and again I was never a big drinker but uh I don't think I was ever in the bar at five o'clock on a Saturday afternoon in my life like there's this why would you ever be in a bar you still, do you still speak to that buddy of yours that owned that bar yeah yes if yes. you could find out the employee, because this is what I would do, and I think you would do the same. I would find out who the employee was that called out sick. His sister. Get, oh, it was his sister. sister. Yeah. Like I would like, you thank her. Say, listen, can I do something for you? Because you, by you being sick that day, you changed my life. Yeah. You know but what you I mean? Even, yep. You don't realize it. It's just, you know, if I'm not, if, if, if I don't have a moving, if I had a moving job that day, I wouldn't have been available. I wouldn't have been, I mean, it was just so many things that had to just work out. Right. And I liked them too. When he liked me, you know, that, that was just, we were kind of just real with each other. Um, and now, you know, when, that, do you, when do you start taking more of a role in, in, in the operation with Dana? Well, the, he had two guys working for him at the time. Um, Bert, this guy, Bert, an old grumpy guy who's actually a pretty good guy, but just made a lot of mistakes on the phone. And, and another guy, Ronnie, and uh, they kind of ran everything for Dana. And um, I mean, there's so many little details in there that are inch about, let's, you know. So I would say maybe 19, maybe 1997. I'm st now I'm answering the phone. Maybe he has about 30 customers, 40 customers at the time. And you're his employee now. He's paying you. No, no, I'm not really getting paid. I'm not going gotcha. to get anything, to be honest with you. Nothing. Gotcha. And then he leaves. So he would leave like a stack of paperwork. Now, um, people probably don't remember this, but bef before the internet, you would have to write the bets down and um, it would be duplicates. So if you took like a standard, like a, you know, printing paper, regular paper from the printer, and you would put yellow, you'd have a carbon on the top, you'd have a yellow on the bottom and then in the middle, I should say, and then pink on the bottom. So every piece of paper was like three ply thick. And you would write, you would then take that piece of paper and it would be glued in certain spots. And then you would cut the paper into quarters. You did all this from the printer. 
So you would buy a box of this stuff for maybe about, the printer would do it for you, maybe about $100 a box. And uh, what is it, 5,000 sheets? So now you'd have 20,000 sheets of, you know, to, to write bets on. And when, when, a, when a customer would call up, you'd write the bet and then you put it in a you know, little basket. And then at the end of the night, you take them and you would split them into either if you were running three copies or two copies, you'd split them. And then one guy would take, let's just say the yellows home and another guy would take the white copies home and you would do the figures for the day. And then you and whoever, I would always do the whites and then somebody would do the yellow and then you would check out the next day, piece of paper and a pair, pencil and paper, what was the figure for the day? And then this way you would get the guy's figure right. Well, Dana, like I said before, he, it was a mess. It was just no, like Bert and Ronnie were doing the figures. And it was just like, they just, they, nobody knew how to work a parlay. Nobody, it was just craziness. And I was always very good at math. I mean, you know, not like quantitative stuff, but just regular basic math, very good at it. So um, I walked in there one day and it was a stack of, I started grading it just grading everything. And I have a red pen to mock the losers. And, you know, it's perfect. Absolutely perfect. So he says, Hey, you want a job? Can you do my figures? And I'm like, yeah, he's like, I'll give you $300 a week. Again, it took, how long would it take 30 customers? It wouldn't 20 minutes a day. So, uh, I, that's when I first went on the payroll for him. Um, now, was anybody charting at the time that his office was it big? It wasn't big enough to chart anything or buddy. We never charted a bet gotcha. ever. We had, we never charted. I, I hear this now and I, I see moving and I, I mean, I, obviously the business is way more different now. You know, there, mm -hmm. there used to be like one of you then, uh, now there's so many, you know, so even if you got in and ripped us up on a, it didn't really like if you, like we could afford to have one or two of you in the office, you know, because yeah. we just had so much. Uh, volume with, with this is later on, but we just had so many suckers that it just, it, it didn't really, it was, it was impossible. It would have been impossible to chart, you know? Sure. Um, and again, or it doesn't, why are you really going to move it off a chart? Like they're all suckers. They're mm -hmm, all, mm -hmm. so, and that's how we, that's, and we never moved the line either. I mean, we just absolutely never moved the line. Uh, we could write giants plus seven on a Monday night football game from five thirty until eight o'clock, you know, we, until the game kicked off. If the line's not moving, just because we're, we have 400,000 on it, it doesn't mean we're going to move the game. It, people think that's crazy, and every bookmaker would lay off to us. But wait, I'm getting way ahead, that's all. No, um, no, no, they, no. I remember you telling me a story. This is a, a great thing. I think it's, it's great. Can you describe I remember you telling me a story about the one time you wind up shaving a customer. Yeah, that, uh, yeah that, that was like right around. That's where I was going next. But Go so, all I'm doing is I'm just doing the paperwork for Dane at the time. That's all I'm doing. And he really doesn't even have a reliable guy doing the yellows. So, so I really have nobody to check out with. So we're just using my figures. And Dana, he had tape recorders there. But um, I'm sure somebody who was listening probably bet with Dana at the time. But uh, he, he had tape recorders and he never turned them on. It was always missing a tape. Uh, the battery wasn't working. It was just, it was always, a, just, like I said, totally uncoordinated. And every week, they would, Dana would want me there on Mondays when guys would call to get uh, gambling week runs from Monday to Sunday. And uh, when guys would call up for the figure on Monday, Dana, everybody put a claim in with them every Monday. If you lost, you didn't really lose. The guy would say, I didn't bet the giants in football. I bet the giants in baseball. And Dana would just give it to him. Just give it to him. He, 
to, to say that the customer is always right was Dana's motto is like they abused him. It was so right, you know. Um, but he was still making money. It didn't matter. It was, it was, I don't, back then it was really, it was tough though. He would only had about 30 or 40 customers, mm -hmm. but he was just so, he couldn't argue because he didn't have any facts to, he didn't have any proof that they did bet this. And it was the same claimers all the time, you know, yeah. the same people would claim every Monday. So I guess one, one Monday I go out, I get a tape recorder, I get a new one, I do this, I hook the thing up to the phone, like now I'm ready for him. You know, now, now I could watch Dana's back. And I, that's how it really started with me watching his back. And I would get there early when the guys were out partying and stuff. And I would get in there early. Um, and then I started answering the phone and then the guys would be like, Hey, the other two guys are so grumpy. Who's this nice guy that's always answering the phones. But then Dana yeah. would put, Dana put another phone in there and said, can you answer the phone? Okay. Fine. So the giants are playing a game and they end up laying six and a half on a Monday night football game. And, uh, the guy can, now remember I'm doing the paperwork. So when you do paperwork for people, you know, the customer, you know what they're going to bet beforehand. Like you really know your customer. Mm. So the guy calls up and he says, uh, yeah, Giants, I'm a Giants of seven and a half. He says, all right, give me the Giants for 20 times. And they go, okay, you got it. 20 times Giants. Read it back to him. I was the only guy who ever gave a read back to him, but that's another story. So Dana comes, he says, can I talk to you? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, don't, don't ever do that again. And I, you know, I got the little sinking feeling in my stomach and, I'm, and he wasn't an, an authoritative person. He wasn't, it was just, he was like, don't ever. And he had never told me what to do before ever. So, um, never reprimanded me, I should say. So I said, what, you know, what happened? The guy, he's like the line six and a half. I'm like, yeah, I know. I got him to lay seven and a half. And he's like, but why would you do that? And he's like, the guy's just a complete sucker. He's going to go to a bar tonight. He's going to sit down with somebody. The game's going to land seven. And he's going to lose. And he's sitting in the ball with somebody that laid six and a half. And then I still don't get it. You know, I like, I'm not, I'm like, yeah. And you just got 110 bucks that so you wouldn't, you would have paid a hundred for it. It's a two ten difference. And he's like, no, you're going to lose a customer because now he's going to say, why did I lay seven and a half? I got juiced. I got screwed, whatever. He goes, can I have your guy's number? And uh, he goes, you know, the guy's only going to last. I mean, the typical player is only going to last eight to 10 weeks in the NFL before they get banged out. And he goes, you start, you know, messing around or fucking around with the line on them. They're only going to last four or six weeks. He says, let them play. They, you know, like the guy only has a certain amount of money to lose to you. Okay? So, wise. so why, why mess with the guy? And I'm when he said it like that, cause I, the one, a strong suit I have is just to see the big picture before it, you know what I mean? And I, and when he said it, I'm like, Oh my God, that is like, that is real. You know what I mean? Like that is an amazing way to look at it. And again, you're looking at it from so just writing the bet. I'm like, I can do this. And like, you don't do these things to be, you just don't do them to players. You don't. And, uh, that taught me a very good lesson that day. And I, I never shaved another player again. Uh, you know how many times later on in my career when I had a reprimand player, <laughs> a reprimand my clerks for doing the same shit. And I had gave them the same thing Dana told me, wow. you know, because they would, they would step out of the way and they would try to, no, I was always a good boss, so they think that they were watching my back, but in reality, they were hurting me. Gotcha. You know, and uh, but yeah, that's that's, and he was right. He was right. Man, amazing stuff. I could, you know, these 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 stories are just great. I, you know, so so, you know, so all right. So now Dana's business, you're building a business. How does the business but, now even get bigger? We're not. You know, it's not. It's more like a. 
but it's almost like a social club because there's only like 30, 40 players. Nothing is, nothing's really going on. Mm-hmm. Um, Dana and I, you know, we're partying a lot, like I said. Um, and Dana, and I'm doing coke, and Dana's doing coke. And um, last day I do coke, I'm hanging out with one of the Jets, one of the New York Jets we used to hang out with in the after hours. And uh, I end up canceling Thanksgiving with my, with my father. Uh, he, I tell him I'm sick because I have to call there. I'm whacked out of my bird. You know, it's Thanksgiving morning. I've been up two days and uh, I call my, I tell my father, I can't, you know, I can't come to Thanksgiving and he's just getting over like pneumonia. So he decides he's going to walk to my house. I'll walk to my apartment, whatever. And he ends up breaking his leg on the ice in the driveway. Lowest feeling of my life, but I mean, the lowest of the low I ever felt. And uh, I quit Coke that day. And I never did it again. That was 1997, I think. And then uh, about two or three days later, Dana goes into rehab. And Dana was bad. You know, um, if I didn't drink, I wouldn't do coke. But Dana was pretty, Dana was bad. So Dana ends up going into a rehab for 90 days. And he just leaves. Like, doesn't even tell us he's leaving. Like, doesn't leave a bankroll, just leaves. And uh, the guy who drove him to rehab, came to the office and he goes, Dana wants Chris to, you know, run things as best as he can. And uh, we always had a guy we could borrow money from. Dana didn't have a lot of money, but Dana had phenomenal bat borrowing power. Uh, so we had this guy, Donnie, that would lend us whatever we needed. Um, we never really, yeah, yeah, uh, two points a week. Um, anything we needed, we, we can get. Like literally up to a half a million dollars without even asking a question. So, but Dana went away and when Dana came back, I had 186, I never forget it. I had $186,000 plus change with a printout of every single expense we had, ins, outs, this, that. And I gave it to him in like a gift bag that, you know, if you were giving somebody like a, a you know, a Valentine's Day gift or some gift, you get, it was like a bag like that. And I'm like, this is everything that happened for the last 90 days. And, uh, he was, a, he was very impressed with it. And, uh, He's like, listen, I'm going to, whatever. So we, we were ended up. Um, I mean, you, you can't stop there. He said, yeah. listen, I'm going to. You can't say whatever. What yeah, did he well, say? Well, no, he was just, I, I'd like you to, you know, to take a bigger role. This is more serious. You know, I'd like you to, I'd like you to continue doing it this way. And, uh, and I, I said to him, like, it's very hard for me to work with the guys that you have in the office because I, it's very hard for me to grow like this. They, they're, they're, they're stubborn. They're, they're, they're doing Coke and they're all of this stuff. And, uh, he said, uh, okay, who do you want? And there was one kid that was on the phone, one of my customers and uh, Chinese kid. And, and, uh, I said, I would like, and he was on a payment plan, long-term payment plan. I said, I would like to get my own guy or two in here that will help me, you know, bring this to, you know, make a business out of this. And, uh, he said, go ahead. And I brought in this kid, she, and uh, Asian kid, really, I mean, what a work ethic on this kid. What, uh, just incredible. Um, Every this, successful gambling operation has a key Chinese guy. Bud, you, I, <laughs> no. I, 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 exactly. Yeah, I, did, right, right. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't put that together yet, yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, let me um, ask, so before, before Dana goes away into rehab, do the other two guys get jealous that he's letting this young kid take over yeah. his business, that they were, the, they were the old timers? Like, how is this guy getting seniority over us? Was there a little animosity there? 
there was animosity there, but, but they were, but they were a mess. They would, you know, they were still partying. Um, Dana asked me not to party anymore at all. And he even asked me not to drink anymore. Um, you know, I had a, I met a, while I was with Dana, at the beginning of Dana, I became very friendly with uh, this guy, Tom, um, big Tom, as a lot of people know me, a very heavy guy, but just a great guy. And I would always bet with him. Um, he got me a pinnacle account and uh, I would not bet with him, but he got me into, you know, a pinnacle or something. And I would bet and just, you know, I would lose probably more than win, but whatever it was. And Dana said to me when he came out of rehab, he's like, listen, no more drinking and no more gambling. And uh, he says, let's give this a try, please. And then he found God. I mean, it's very important. He found God, Dana, while he was in rehab. And he started going to just all these different church services. And he says, listen, I, I want to make you a partner. And, uh, you know, here's the deal. Every time we make $100,000, I take 95, you take five on the first. Every, when I make another hundred, you take 10, I'll take that. And then we'll get the 50, 50. So I'm like, what do I, but I mean, two a year before this, I was doing absolutely nothing. You know, I'm like, whatever this guy says I'll do, you know what I mean? I didn't yeah. negotiate with him. I didn't say, I just said, thank you very much. Everything he ever did for me. I just said, thank you. I just never negotiated. I never had to, you know? Um, and he told me that he, he, he kind of wants to step back a little bit and do things. He says, but there is a caveat. There's one thing that you have to understand. He goes, uh, what, I need you to meet me. I need you to go to the Palestine with me to meet this guy. So I'm like, all right. He goes, whatever we make, 20% off the top has to go to God. I'm like, what? He's like, what, 20% goes to God. And I'm like, but whatever you want. He goes, you have to meet this guy. So we meet this guy. He ended up being the, the guy from the movie uh, Machine Gun Preacher and Machine Gun Minister, whatever, the God, by the Gerard Butler character who was going to Africa to build orphanages for all the people that were killed by the Somalia, whatever it was. And Dana ends up taking over, taking money. And he goes over there with the guy for like 90 days or for months on end, building orphanages. Like you could hear bombs blowing up in the background. I mean, like when, like people think like Dana became religious was a fake. No, I mean, no, it wasn't. I mean, we were giving this guy money this guy to build orphanages and stuff like that. And, and this was, this was Dana. I mean, you know, and I would say now it's like maybe 97 and um, uh, every bookmaker closed back then, maybe set, maybe seven thirty, eight o'clock, the late, the absolute latest. And uh, where I'm dating some girl who works at a bar, even though I'm not trying to stop drinking. And she comes back to the office. Cause back we had all, we rented a big, we were getting a little bit bigger after I had my, after I had a little bit of two guys working for me. So we rented a house and we put the office in the basement. I was living upstairs in the house, but we had all the direct TVs in the basement. And uh, so this girl was downstairs with me in the basement, you know, doing something to me, pleasing me. And uh, the phone rings and it's like 9 30, 10 o'clock at night. And she looks up and she says, you're not going to answer that phone. And I answered the phone and it's the guy, this guy, Florida 52. And he says, uh, what? he goes, hey, I knew you'd be there. He goes, what do you have on Seattle? <laughs> like, uh, Bud, we're closed. He goes, no, you're not. You're there. What do you got on Seattle? <laughs> all right. See, I go, Seattle's minus seven. He was like a wide line guy. So I'm like, Seattle minus seven. So he's like, all right, give him to me for a nickel. The next day or whatever, Dana comes in or somebody comes and they're like, how the hell? Because we had a timestamp. Oh, by the way, I didn't, t- I put tape recorders. We stopped the claiming. Nobody ever put another claim in. 
Gotcha. Everything, it was just, you know, we put the clock. So they come in and we had timestamps. So nobody, I couldn't have one of my clerks pass post me or, you know, you never know. But um, although I never caught a clerk ever pass posting me. Um, so the guy, how did this guy win last night at 1030? This is when the West Coast games used to go off at 1030. Back, back then they went off at 1030, not 1005. And he's like, how the hell did this guy get a bend in the 1013 p.m.? You know, we, we close at eight. And I said, uh, I wrote the bat. And the old grumpy guy in the back is like, you're going to fucking spoil them. You're going to spoil these guys. Don't. So the next night, similar situation. Now I'm, now I'm by myself, but the phone rings and it's Florida. And he goes, hey, you, you know, you, you write my bet. I'm like, you got me in trouble last night. I can't write your bet. He's like, what's the difference? I'm like, what do you care if I call it seven? I'm like, you know what? You're right. What do you want? And he's like, give me Seattle. And he goes, oh, and my, my Pete's here too. Pete for 52 is here. So he goes, Pete, what do you want? A hundred bucks. Okay, you got it. And uh, so they, you know, of course, Seattle wins. And uh, next day, similar situation. Day after that, Randy Johnson's pitch in Florida calls up again at 10 o'clock at night. And uh, what do you got on Randy Johnson? Johnson's minus 12 with 13, whatever. Yeah, you know, give me that one for a dime. And I'm like, okay, you got it. And, uh, you know, Pete's here too, and he wants to put 100. Scott's here, he wants to bet $25, five times. And I said, all right, you got it, you got it, you got it. So Seattle loses the next day. Nobody says a word to me when they're looking through the tickets, you know, now it loses. So I talked to Dana and I go, Dana, I, I, I think we should stay open late at nighttime. And he's like, uh, what do you, I'm like, I think, you know, it's like, if you build it, they will come. And uh, he's like, it's a big time commitment. And I'm like, I'm upstairs anyway, dude. I like, I'm in the house. I'm not drinking anymore. I'm not gambling anymore. I'm not doing anything. I'm doing, I'm sitting downstairs doing the paperwork. You know, why? if somebody calls, I'll do it. But I'm telling you within a year, we had like 500 customers. Guys would guys would give us their customers during baseball season because a lot of bookmakers back then didn't write in baseball. So they'd give it to another office and um, they just wouldn't come back because who, when you could bet with us, you know, think of it like guys take it for granted now, but in the old days you would have to, you wouldn't, you'd have to put all your bets in at seven o'clock. You couldn't see how you did on seven o'clock. And we were a much more uh, flexible with a limit. You know, if a guy has a thousand dollar limit, uh, and he and he wants to bet 16 games for a hundred dollars a game you're gonna give it to him mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's like yeah. it, it's not that now you, you know you're at the mercy you need the sports books to grade especially with me doing props they may not they don't grade what the first week of the season eagle didn't like grade the one o'clock props until after the four o'clocks ended yeah you know i mean it's yeah. so we used a lot more common sense which i understand you can't really use now but um that's so we just kept getting bigger and bigger and then the house had to get bigger and then uh we had to put in like a 16 line hunt system um and that's that's uh we had like 16 clerks and you know a lot of customers so any pinches back then with dana yeah we got uh i took a very small one one of our customers was uh was shot in a gas station uh somewhere i think it was new jersey and uh, we got raided by New Jersey because uh, he had called us, you know, with us being open daytime. We would open early too, because we, Dana had a very good horse business. So Tampa Downs always started like 1130, I think. Or I was, I'm not a horse guy, you know, not at all. But Tampa Downs always opened up like an hour before anybody else. So, um, but we would open early. So this guy would call us, he'd call us for scores. He'd call us for everything. And he, he was ended up getting killed in like a Wawa or some convenience store. Uh, gas station down in New Jersey. And when the cops saw his phone, they're like, who is this guy calling? 
and I guess they cross-referenced the daughter was booked. They came in like, like unbelievable. And uh, that was like a little misdemeanor. Uh, when that happened, we actually put our customers in uh, down with um, data wager with, uh, with Buddy. And uh, he wrote our business for a week until we could get back up. And uh, $35 to head back then. Thirty-five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was that was crazy. Um, All right, so now the business, your five hundred customers, this business now is getting really, really big. Yeah. Um, uh, what next? <laughs> you know what I mean? Just, you just keep it rolling, brother. Yeah. No, I'm. Um, um, you know, we guys would give us guys would give us players for the summer. You know, can you write my twenty guys? And uh, so we'd write them, and then September rolls around. And the guys don't want to go back with their original bookmaker, you know, because who wants to go back to these limited, you know, we're open from 11 to one on Sundays and, you know, they don't even come back for the four o'clock, you know, we'll come back for the eight o'clock, not the four. So guys, you know, our customers were getting spoiled, you know? Um, and, and then of course that business grows on time because then they're going to bring friends in. Yeah. And then I, we ended up working sheets out with the bookmaker and then they liked it too. Because we gave them they, the other thing about Dana was, I mean, nobody would be Dana on a deal because Dana understood like, you know, you, the guys got 10 cut. Dana would give half sheets to anybody, like yeah. anybody. And that's how we, we just got so big. I mean, we had uh, one, one of our guys, he gave us 600 players. We were writing it for 20%, but we never paid the guy. You know what I mean? So yeah. 20% of something is better than 0% of not, you know, it's just, yeah. so, and that's how Dana would do it. So he, he, he did a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal job with, with all of that. Um, I learned all that from him, but you really by 97, 98, he was, he was like my advisor. Like he wouldn't, if I had a problem, I would call him, but he no longer came to the office. Um, and, uh, and I was 50, 50 with him. It was funny because like maybe the first, I would say within the first, we had a monster week. I mean, a monster week. And uh, I think I went, I think we did like 400,000 in a week, which again, we didn't have a lot of cut, maybe a hundred customers. We did like 400,000. And I'm like, do I get 5% of the first hundred or, and uh, he, he was true to his word. He, I, I thought he would give me like 5% of the 400,000. Cause it was like the first chop we did, but he didn't, he gave me, you know, right. So within, I would say within three months, I was 50, 50 with him. Uh, and you, you had answered, we got sidetracked, but yeah, the other guys in the office, they were a little bit bitter about the whole, they never knew how much money I made. They never knew I was a partner. They never knew anything, but you know, I mean, I look like Mike Trout compared to you. Like there wasn't much they could say, you know, they couldn't like, they just weren't, they were going out every night. I'm sitting there at the office. I'm checking tapes while they're going out. I'm the first one. Yeah. I wasn't really even hungry. I loved it. You know, it wasn't, I never did it for the money. I know that sounds funny. And if you do something like I tell my kids all the time, you just do what you love and then the money will come. Yes. Like I, I never, I don't think I ever went to work one day for Dana for the money. That's, that's just the truth. I mean, there's, and then you just, you know, when you love something and you become really good at it and um, you know, then you just, then, you know, you start making crazy money out of it. It's funny um, because back then, you, they looked the bookmakers as, as some of the worst people, criminals, no. and, and it, look at this. This is act. This bookmaker was really like a saint. It's like he did so much good, building charities, helping orphanages, do, building orphanages, doing all this unbelievable stuff. Um, and he was a bookmaker. 
Dana said to me at the very beginning, you bring that up. Dana said to me, listen, we have uh, the way we are viewed by the world is we're, we're just epic scumbags. So we have to go above and beyond what a normal person would have to do just to be ethical. And that's the way he lived. And that, that, that's just the way he lived. And, and uh, he was right because people, everything people see about bookmaker, and I can only speak for Dana and I, because again, I didn't have this wealth of experience before I met him. I didn't have this, um, I didn't know 50 bookmakers and could compare them to this one, how he ran his shop. But people watch movies and they just have this, like, you're going to get fingers broke. Dana and I, I, I don't even think we really have a curse to the customer. Uh, we certainly never intimidated, threatened, or did anything to people. You know, if, if a guy came to Dana with a, or myself with, hey, I can't pay because A, B, C, and D, you, you kind of just let him go. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we could do this because we had thousands of customers at the mm-hmm. end. But, but even at the beginning, we just, you know, the funny thing was the guy who Dana sold the car for ended up losing the money back and never paid him. How's that? Oh, uh, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, but that's, you know, and Dana didn't hold any ill will. Dana didn't hold, it was just, it was just what it is. He didn't send somebody to arm. He didn't, you know, um, but that was that. So now, so, so you split, so when you, what, before you split up with Dana, what's the max, what kind of, what kind of numbers are we writing here? Nickels and dimes, or did you guys get a little higher now? No, we, uh, it's, it's funny. We had this one guy who I'm, I'm friendly with today, I would, but he, he, we were, uh, we were writing his play for maybe two, in 1995, 96, we we're writing his play for, 250 a game. When when I got indicted in 05, he was betting me a hundred dimes a game. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, he he just he he really made it big, um, and he was just uh, a good guy too. Really, really a good guy. But it all depended on the person, you know. Like you would book the player. Like we would take a hundred dimes from him, but we wouldn't take two dimes from you. You, you follow? It's just uh, of course, of course. It, it, it's a different type of you know. If you play us a dime on a game, I'm going to move it a half a point. If he plays me a hundred dimes a game, I'll probably go bet the other way myself for 50. Yeah. You know, like I would bet against them. Gotcha. So not only book them, but bet against them. Yeah, I understand. Um, so right, so you're, you're booking pretty high. Now, what makes you split up with Dana? He goes to Pennsylvania. So now what happens? What kind of deal do you make? You guys just part ways? No, I don't. I mean, this is early. No, he goes up to Pennsylvania like 98. We never split ways. Oh. I mean, no, no, no. I never. He just kind of took the back seat and basically took the paycheck. And uh, he felt like, well, I guess it's he gets engaged in like 98, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in it. We're in a what happens was after that bust with with the guy in the gas station who got killed in the gas station. I end up uh, moving. Obviously, we have to get a new office. We're always in Queens, by the way. We're always in the Queens area. Uh, I end up learning that I need a backup office too because we're too big. So we can't be down and I can't pay a guy like Buddy, you know, $35,000 for a week to write some players. I mean, it's just nuts. So I end up getting a backup office. So now I need a whole phone system in one place and then a whole nother office set up in another place. Uh, And we do that. So one of the offices that we have at the time, um, it's a Saturday night and it's during uh, the final four. And uh, we used to, they always told us, just leave the door open. This is like old timers and half gangsters and all of that stuff. They would tell, just leave the door open because if you make it easy on the police, they'll make it easy on you. You're going to make them start kicking doors in. They're going to like tear your office apart. So we're like, okay. 
So we have the door open and uh, maybe I want to say it's 99 and we're having a really good week. Saturday night, March Madness. I guess it's the, the uh, I don't know, it's like the second game, maybe 930 at night. And um, all of a sudden, and there's, there's only, uh, the game started. So we only had, I kept three or four of us for half times um, to, to stay behind for halftime. And uh, the do- we ordered um, Italian food that night for the, so we, we were expecting a delivery. And I'd say, I don't know, maybe 25 minutes after the delivery, we hear the door open and uh, four guys come in with shotguns and, and ski masks and they hold us up and they know I'm the boss. They put me in a chair, uh, shotgun in my mouth. Where's the money? I don't have the money. There's $3,000 here. And they're like, no, where's the big fucking money? Where's the big money? The guy just kept saying the big money. And at the, now he's, I'm sitting in like an office chair. He's got his knee on my knee with a shotgun in my mouth. My knee buckles. He kind of falls into the wall. The shotgun kind of comes out of my mouth because he falls into the wall. And whoever, whatever guy was next, just fucking whacks me in the head with a pistol. So I fall on the ground. And that they just start kicking the shit out of me while I'm on the ground. And we're zip tied, by the way. All of us are zip tied. Uh, they put the other three clerks in the in the closet, but in the, in the closet. So I'm there by myself. They tore this place apart looking for money. And I could just see myself like, you know, bookmaker writes final bet, like on the front page of the post or something. And um, that they had to be there, bud, for like, 45 minutes. I, they tore down every ceiling tile in the place. They took the kitchen cabinets off the walls. They just, they, they fucking, they only found 3000. That's it. That's all they found. And they stole my, my car because they, they thought the money may be in my car. So they stole my car, which we found eight blocks uh, away, but uh, broken eardrum, broken ribs, broken everything. So Daner is on a, Daner is on his honeymoon now it's maybe 99 Dane is on his honeymoon and he's in, he's in Hawaii and one of our biggest agents, uh, this guy, Joe, who's one of my closest friends to this day, he is in Disney with his family. And I call them and we're like, uh, we just got held up, uh, blah, blah, blah. I, Dana's like shut down tomorrow. Joe's like, just shut down tomorrow. I'm like, guys, we're up like, 300,000. We can't just shut down on a Sunday. We'll never, nobody will pay us. Everyone's going to say they won. And they're like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't know, but we just can't. I'm in the hospital now with a broken eardrum. So like, we have to, we have to open. So we get in that neighborhood. We knew a couple of Latin Kings and uh, I paid four of them. Two sat in the backyard, one sat in front of the house and we were on a dead end at the time. And one stayed up on the far thing. They were all armed. And uh, we opened that Sunday. Um, and we, we crushed it. And from that day on, Joe and Dana said, you know, whatever you say, you, you, can, you know, you, you, you're running this office better than any of us ever can. And, uh, you know, basically just do whatever you want to do. And, uh, and that's probably the day when, when, you know, I became like the boss, so to speak. Well, the one in charge, you know, I was still 50, 50 with Dana, but Dana just no longer really um, said what to do or, or did anything like that. Uh, and then when Dana was out of the, not out of the way, I don't want to be, I don't mean that disrespectfully, but once he wasn't there, um, I started playing again, uh, nothing insane, but, uh, I used to bet against people. That was my thing. I would love to bet against people. 
Uh, you might, can I tell you a story? Because this is yeah. this is a good story. This is a, this is a funny story. Uh, we had a customer, Rudy Eighty. Yeah, and, I remember this one. Uh, uh, yeah, and and you want me to tell it? Should I tell no, it? No, or? no, no, tell him. This is great. This is uh, right. one of the uh, best. So Rudy Eighty is when I tell you, and I've, of all the guys I faded in my life, he is by far the worst. I mean, Bud, he is. If he gave you six pieces daily, he would go two and four every single night. And he would throw in 0 and sixes. He once went 0 and 12 in an NBA game on an NBA Friday night. Uh, the guy was just, he's just the worst you've ever seen. So I am, I am betting at the pinnacle at the time. Whatever he bets, I'm betting against him for 2,000. I would step it up and go to 5,000 and then I would lose. Because every time I would step it up over two grand, I wouldn't, whatever. So now I'm betting into pinnacle. I'm up like, 270 in a year betting against this guy, right? It's a two dimes a game. That's it. Two and, what, and what is he betting you? He's betting me anywhere between five and 10 timers. If he really, <laughs> if he really likes the game, he'll, he'll put 50 on it. If not, he'll bet $25. So gotcha. obviously I would then do two and four. You know, I would <laughs> yeah. just go. Exactly. So the more he likes it, the more you like the opposite. The more, exactly. And that would gotcha. be, and that it was just, and I even, we would even have a clerk, like it was, I it would it I had a clerk that would just make sure like if I wasn't there, which was very rare. But if I had to step out for a minute, like that was his job. Like I don't care who's betting, you have to bet against this guy. You have to take his call. Like he got more. If you and him called at the same time, Spank, I would take his call before yours. You know what I'm saying? It's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was that important. So uh, <laughs> just to fade him. But um, so he he's uh, I don't know. A couple of days goes by and he doesn't call. So I, I, his agent calls up to get figures. I'm like, you know, hey, where's Rudy 80? I'm like, I'm, he's like, I don't fucking know. And I'm, he's like, why do you care? You know, like, I don't want to tell, I don't want to tell the agent because the agent, if the agent finds out, you yeah. know, don't, don't even get me started on agents, but he, he don't want his piece, you know, yeah. so I don't want to exactly tell him. So he calls up to, for another figure the next day. I'm like, hey, what happened to Rudy, man? I, I, I miss this guy. He would always talk to me about this and that. He's like, that fucking pervert got arrested. And I'm like, what do you mean? He was a bus driver. And I'm like, yeah. And he touched a kid, Patterson, New Jersey, got arrested. And I'm like, really? And I'm like, that's disgusting. That's terrible. So I call information. So I call a bail bondsman <laughs> in Patterson, New Jersey. And I got his name and I'm ready to bail him out. And his bail's like $50,000. And then the guy Bird in the back is like, hang up that fucking phone. Hang up that phone. You, you know, you got a kid now or you got a kid on the way or whatever. He's like, you can't fucking do this. And I'm looking at him. I'm thinking about the kid I'm about to have. And I'm thinking of Rudy 80. And like, I'm looking at him like, like the kid who just got stuck with his hand in a cookie jar. Like, do I eat yeah. the cookie? Do I get the phone? You know? And he's like, hang up that fucking phone, bro. And then, <laughs> and then the kid, she, who, I mean, the, my right hand, man, I couldn't have done anything without him. And uh, he looks at me and he, and he like shrugs his shoulders and he's like, it's up to you, dude. <laughs> he goes like, cause remember, he's the one putting half the bets in for me, you know? Yeah. So, and he, cause he knows that Bert has no idea. You know, he has no idea that, that how valuable this is. Um, but I hung up the phone. I hung up the phone. I didn't bail him out. I didn't. I wanted to, but I didn't. That's and then, funny. you know, she and I also spoke and were like, you know, if you bail him out, he, he may not be betting the same way either. <laughs> so, but, oh, uh, man. Great you know, story. That, and, and then I, it was, uh, I probably, like, I couldn't bet after that anymore. I would only bet what my office needed. 
I would only bet what my office needed. You know, it was amazing, Spank. You could back then, you could sit there and if let's just say the Atlanta Falcon, let's just I keep using the Giants, but if if it's ten to one on a Sunday afternoon and a guy calls you and says, uh, what do you have on the Falcons? And you would have a big board written up, you know, big and you'd like the Falcons. Where the hell are the Falcons? Like if you haven't written them yet, that's your that's your guaranteed winner eighty five percent of the time. Because yeah. they're playing the Giants, you know, plus yeah. seven or gotcha. plus six and a half. But, uh, yeah, so, and this would bring us up to like 2000, you know, 2001, somewhere around there. Um, we took the, the office got, the, I ended up having a daughter. Um, and uh, then I, I, I we, we ended up going right to, we, okay, so the office gets busted again. Uh, and two, this, is, this is when I start playing you. Right, yeah. That's how, yeah. Yes, gotcha. yes. So I end up, uh, yeah, there's only, it's funny because you and this guy, Jay, Korna, this guy, Jay, and uh, the Chinese, uh, these two Chinese guys, like these were the only ones that ever beat me. And I'm talking like, if, if anybody who listens to you, like just like picks up the newspaper and like bets, like they have no chance to ever, ever, ever win, you know, like it, it's really hard. So, but the reason why I'm telling you about Jay is um so the office gets busted so now i have a kid um i get married and i'm married for like three months and i'm like i can't be married to this person like there's just no fucking way just give me my daughter and um this woman moves away never see her again um and now what happens is my daughter gets sick on a on a i don't know 2002 i'd say right like and now she's like a year and a half and the babysitter says she's running 103 fever so i say okay i'll be right home and i leave my office at like three o'clock in the afternoon and uh i call the office it's uh the weekend before the super bowl this is the only time in like the last 20 years there hasn't been a weekend two weeks intermission in between you know two weeks a week off uh in between super bowl and the championship weekend so um the I, I race home for, for my daughter and uh, I call the office and I say, uh, who do we need or what's happening with this game? It was uh, Houston and uh, Houston against uh, the oil, the oil is against the Raiders. And they're like, we need their, and all of a sudden you heard, get on the fucking ground. So it's the police, they raided the place. I'm like, holy shit, the one day I'm not in the office. And uh, now I think I'm the luckiest guy in the world. You know what I mean? Like, this is great. Like, this is, so I call this guy, Jay. Uh, and I say, Hey, where do I put my customers? You know, uh, you aren't playing with me at this point. This is coming next. Yeah. So, um, now, uh, Jay, I had asked not to play in my office for other reasons, but he was one of the very handful of successful people. And, uh, he's like, Oh, go to this guy, Neil at, uh, which is now better days. So he says, go down with this guy, Neil. He's great. He's this, he's that. So, uh, I end up calling this guy, Neil, Monday morning. I, uh, I fly down there. Uh, never even had a, he didn't need a passport back then. He needed a passport maybe about a year or two later, but I did not need a passport. And I just grabbed my laptop, a couple of, you know, a couple of days of clothes and uh, never really been out of the United States before. And this guy picks me up in the airport and uh, I go to the sports book. And he says, I, you know, I heard you got 2000 customers, whatever, you know, this and that. I'm like, yeah, how do we, how do we uh, do this? So we explained how we do this and blah, blah, blah. And uh, I'm like, all right, I got, um, I'll hook them all up. So we stayed and we put every customer in the system. 
it was easy because back then the one good thing with Dana did, even though we had astronomical bills was we put everything on a 1-800 number. So if we ever moved an office, we just took the phone number with us. If you, you yeah. follow, like we never had to tell customers, you know, we're down or hey, yeah. give the new number out to this one. We just forwarded the 800 number. Perfect. And um, yeah, it was great, but we had to pay. It was a lot of money for that stuff, but uh, it was just easier. Um, and so now we're down, we're down there. It's like Friday night. And I tell the guy I have to leave tomorrow morning. And he's like, what are you talking about? I tell Neil, I said, I have to go back to New York. I have to go, I'm going to see Barney. You know, like, like my daughter's like one year old. I have to go have a breakfast with Barney at Radio City Musical. The guy looks at me like, and we're in Gary Kaplan and we're in the bed on sports building. Yeah. Uh, he looks at me like I'm nuts. He's like, what are you talking about? Barney, like, have her mother do it. I'm like, she doesn't have a mother. It's just me. I have to go to fucking see Barney. And uh, so I leave Costa Rica at like 4.30, 4 o'clock in the morning, or three, whatever it was. I get home, go to have breakfast with Barney, bagels and whatever. And then I go back to Costa Rica on the 5.30 flight that afternoon. And uh, the next morning we're in Costa Rica. Uh, I don't know, sunspots, something hit. And uh, with the, it's the Raiders against Tampa Bay. Uh, we're dealing three on the game. Still don't have the whole answer to this because everything was chaotic that day. But uh, we lost internet for two hours and we didn't know we lost internet for two hours. So everybody, and I told you, we never moved the line. It's like Raiders minus three, Raiders minus three, Raiders minus three. So we finally go up. We finally get the line back at about, I don't know, quarter, uh, 20 minutes before the game. The Raiders are up to five and a half. This is a Super Bowl. Like, this is a Super Bowl now. I'm dealing three in, in, on a five and a half line. Um, but it was just a crazy day. Anyway, it was, it was, I was always very lucky. It's always better to be lucky than good, no matter what happens. But I think, I think the score was like 21, nothing like at the end of the first quarter, like right off the game started. We got, I got very lucky. That was like probably the best day we ever had. And it was a mistake. Wow. Yeah. So you're still partners with Dana when you go down to Costa Rica? Yes. 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 Gotcha. Yeah. And uh, yeah. what was your, so when you go down to Costa Rica, you know, what happens when you guys get pinched back up in Queens? Did it just, it just uh, nothing, nothing big came out of it or, or? Nothing big at all came out of it. Uh, at least we thought. Uh, but what ends up happening then is uh, they break my back about a couple days before that. They, my back window of my Denali was smashed. And I had a, a box of a big crate of cigarettes. I smoked back then. And I had a big, you know, a whole bunch of cartons in a box. Like it's called a, I guess, I don't know of cigarettes and uh, somebody took it out of my thing. It's like 20 cartons or 30 cartons. So I'm like, what an idiot I am. You know, I'm leaving like a thousand dollars in cigarettes in the back seat. Of course, somebody's going to break it. They end up putting a microphone and low jack and whatever else they put in my car. So I go to get the window fixed. And uh, that's what starts the, uh, the, the wiretap case. And this is what year we're talking. This is late Oh two, early Oh three. Gotcha. You know, uh, so here I am. I think that I avoided the arrest, and uh, but I didn't. It's just getting you know? started. Yep, it's just getting started. Exactly. So how how's Costa Rican life? How how is how is the business running in Costa Rica now? I remember this is when I signed up with you guys. Yeah. Uh, I remember yeah. you know safe deposit sports. Yeah, that was well. That was more. Yeah, that was you were coming in with me, but you were like he was crazy. He would run all these odd promotions. I never had anything to do with that. You know, mm -hmm. I just gave him a fee to be in the office mm -hmm. over there, like renting space, and uh, 
and that was um it was okay i mean he he was he was nice to me at the beginning he was um pleasant i was paying for it Listen, i got no discounts with him you know um uh, i had you know like i said maybe 2000 customers he had 100 you know um so how was life in costa rica it was it was different but it was just uh you know i i never booked and i never I liked the rapport that I always had with my players. You know, I would talk to them. I, I just knew them. I mean, I think I'm, I'm a godfather for like four of them or five of them. Um, like, like I, I've been to so many of their weddings and, and like, you just have such a rapport with people um, that, you know, it's, I lost all that, you know, and people like, Oh, you know, after the whole thing came, they're like, you must miss the money. You must miss all it. I miss like hanging out with like 12 guys all week long, 16 guys in an office and just lines moving, phones ringing, just complete organized chaos. You know, it's just, it's, it was just, it was absolutely phenomenal. Um, but you didn't get that in Costa Rica. You had, you know, you had a whole bunch of, you, you, at the very early stages of, you had everybody claiming what happened to my bet. You know, I put this bet in, it, it disappeared. So we went through that whole, problem um you know maybe only 10 percent of the customers were betting online we didn't, remember you couldn't bet a lot online back then if you wanted yep. to bet more than a nickel you would have to call it in yep you know uh because everybody was claiming it was just you know people half the times if you don't have and i you know every once in a while to this day i still when i have to bet a manual account sometimes i forget to hit continue yep. you know sometimes you just you know, I'm like, where's my bet? And I get to work the next morning and I, I go to, you know, some screen and I'm like, I didn't hit, well, the line changed after my 60 second delay and I just clicked to another tab. And, uh, but this is, um, that's what life was like in Costa Rica. So I would say I went down there maybe every, uh, every three weeks or so. Uh, well, I go down for a week, I come back for a week. So I was on and off, but it kind of, kind of ran itself. You know, would the Chinese cheese stay down there and run? Yeah, so Neil just could not handle it. Neil had no, Neil was, Neil could not do it. Um, so I realized that like, you know, as you know, most of the line managers, not at like Pinnacle or Chris or like, a, uh, most of these line managers are like clerks, you know, and, and they just started out as clerks and they were on time the most. So they become line managers, you know, a lot of them. So, but I don't want them running my business, you know? And, um, you know, most of the guys that stick customers down there and pay head fees, they don't know these things, you know what I mean? They just, whatever. Um, so I was like, I, I need Chi and I need my old line manager. Uh, Cause I would always work the line when I, me and this other Chinese guy also, I had a second Chinese guy, very sharp with the line. Um, like your line guy, he was just exactly like him, just knew where shit was going before it got there. And uh, I, I ended up bringing him down. And um, so I ended up employing three Chinese guys. Not only was I paying Neil head fees or rent fee, I was then supplying three phenomenal staff guys, Chi, uh, Postal, and Eric. Uh, and they were down there. And then obviously Neil wants them to control his lines, you know, because why wouldn't he? It's a, and, uh, but it worked out. Um, guys loved it. I didn't have to go down there as much. I could stay up here more. Uh, we always kept the horse office up here because there was too much back then. It was very difficult, uh, to ride horses down there. You were getting past posted a lot. So it was just easier for me to keep the guys up here. So I kept a little basement apartment somewhere in Queens 
and uh, I just, you know, I had one guy or two guys that would alternate and uh, they would do the horses. So, which was a very good, I mean, I had like, we had about a hundred guys every day just playing us horses, which is very strong. So this is the peak of the business now. What kind of bets are we writing? Uh, you're telling me you're writing a hundred dime bet from a guy that used to bet 250 a game? 250, yeah. Yep. So other guys, you're booking, what, like, what's a common bet? Five dimes, ten dimes? Or is this big, big now? We're, we're booking big. This is the big leagues. Yeah. Uh, I never thought of it like the big leagues, but I just, again, it never, you know, back then it was like, we would be like, can this guy afford it? You know, because a lot of guys, you know, guys did take shots. Not today, the bookmakers take shots. Yeah. But now it's it's like um, back then, the, there would be players. You know, I'm just going back. I remember when I first met Dana, he gave some guy like $25,000. When the guy lost it, we, he just had the code name West. It was really, the guy was living in his car, you know, and Dana gave the guy 25 dimes. And when the guy lost, nobody knew what ever happened to him. Uh, so we, we wanted to be protect if we knew a guy could afford it we would kind of let him bet whatever he wanted you know i guess that's the way you know the way it would be um we couldn't allow the agent to make that choice because agents in my opinion i'm not you know i just i just think that they are the worst of i think they are the black eye on the business i think half the times they're the ones that are threatening the players because the player just wants to bet right they just want to get the, and the bookmaker just wants to book so Bookmaker's putting up his money, player's putting up his money, but it's the guy in the middle that is trying to get a weaselly piece from here and here and lying to the player, lying to the bookmaker, saying he wants 10% no red on top of the sheet, which he's pocketing himself. You know um, you know what I mean? You know, I mean, yeah, obviously, you know what I mean. But, yeah, right? it's greed. It's all greed. It's, it's all greed, and they're the only ones in this situation, in the whole scenario, that aren't risking anything. And then all they are is risking, all they are is guaranteeing that bet. And the second they have to guarantee it, they they crumble. Yeah, you well, know, they just crumble. They, they, they disappear when the guy goes bad. They can't exactly. Yeah. Yep, yep. And they're like, "What do you want me to do? I've given you two hundred thousand dollars over the last two years. You can't give me a freebie on this." It's like, bro, you're getting a sixty percent sheet here. Yeah, you know. And again, yeah. and, but that's uh, so. Yeah, as far as bets, but you would have your agents all the time tell you, "Oh, he's good for ten dimes a game." You know, no, he really isn't because, you know, and then the guy's like, I guarantee it. So what kind of bets are we writing? I mean, yeah, we were writing 10 from, you know, we probably had a handful of guys betting us 10 or 15 or 20. Um, so, so you're one of the few guys, you were booking me pretty good back then. And, and you, you know, you guys weren't, uh, you guys took a bet, very respected uh, mm -hmm. uh, spot. Um, how was the sharp, I don't know, maybe I wasn't as sharp as I thought back then. I don't know. But how was the sharp clientele compared to the sucker business? Was there... A lot of sharps back then? Um, not, not to me. We, we, we would have this old guy. He went by a code name of uh, HH. And it was, uh, Henry Ford was actually his name. Um, I, I met him for the first time about five or ten years ago. He was about 85, but nice, super nice guy. But he would beat us in a lot. This is early on when I first got in. And he would call us, and very nice, and he would be like, hey, kid, what do you got on the White Sox? I got the White Sox minus 42. Uh, give me two dimes, White Sox, and go to 65. So I'm like, Dana, why are we playing sports consultants? Why are we paying sports consultants in Nevada when we're taking two dimes a pop? But we would, we would tell the guy, thank you, H, and we would thank him for basically getting us, you know, getting us to where the line was. You know, if you would play us, we would go to that line. It wasn't, 
like now, if you beat a guy to a line, they don't want to pay you yeah, because yeah. you cheated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's like, what? And it's, 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 I don't, you, I mean, I'm going to jump ship here, but I remember when I first started playing, when I came home and uh, I, I, I beat a guy for, or you be together, our account beat the guy for, I think it was like 11, it was on my side. So I had to meet him and it was like $11,000. And the guy's like, uh, you fucking steamed me. I'm not paying you. And I'm like, what? I'm like, no, you're the bookmaker. And then he's like, well, I'm not fucking paying you. I'm like, did I just come out of a time warp? I went away in 05 and I came home in 08 and the bookmakers don't pay now? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, 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 it's, it's insanity. It's just, and now the part, the funny thing is these guys have no really, they just got head fees. When I ran the office back then, you know, we had 12 clerks that were getting like $200 a shift, like hazard pay. You know, I was running like $30,000 a week in payroll. You know, I mean, just in huge numbers and, and, and we still paid players. Now guys are, how many times do you log into a, an account these days? And it happens to be five times a day. You log into an account, it says master agent disabled. Yeah. Guys not even paying head fees. Call customer service. Yeah. The guys not even paying head fees. Yeah. Well, the master disabled is, you know, they're just not paying the head fees. It's just, it's comical. Anybody could be a bookmaker today with this whole per head thing. And they are. Yeah, Exactly. And they're you know, and, and it's it's insulting for guys that you know that, that have done it that the did right the right way. thing that that the, the honor that gave honor and prestige to the profession. It's um, not just honor; it's like understand the business and respect yeah. the business, and just you know used to take pride in the business. And 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 now it's these guys; they actually call themselves bookmakers. You know, yeah. they just feel tough, dude. You know, they want to bully. It's like you're a jerk off. You know what I mean? Like you can't even pay like sixty. This is what gets me aggravated. Because you know, here I and I'm convinced. Like I went away for that. Well, I guess we'll get into that. But I went away for like being a bookmaker, and I never threatened anybody, and I never not paid anybody in my life. You know, I never not paid. And then you got guys that like they take. I have a really good friend of mine. This guy Matt. He's an attorney, and uh, he lost like hundreds of thousands of dollars to this office. And uh, that I beat the office for fifty five thousand dollars betting coral just betting parlays. And the, guy, and the guy didn't even say they were correlated. He just says, you were hitting me with sharp shit. He, Matt went to meet the guy. He threw the 55000 in his face. And he goes, you ever fucking steam me again like that? And fucking you. The guy was shaking, shaking. I'm like, how much money have you given him in three? He's a big, big shot at time. He's like, I gave him like 800000 over the last three years. I'm like, this is how he acts for 55000 And it's like, what? I think they have a license to print money. And steal. Yeah. Like those are the criminals because what happens is bank, they're running around, right? And they're collecting because guys give their paychecks, you know, guys give their paychecks to their bookmaker. And then when you actually hypothetically hit this guy for it's a Kentucky Derby or you hit him on a parlay or something out of the ordinary and you beat him for seven thousand dollars, he's gonna tell you to go fuck yourself. And and you should never like be betting with these people. You know, you just you, you, you can't do it. Honor is lost in a business. Yep. Yep. All right, so let's get, you know, the big thing now, you know, no, 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 this is great, brother. I love this. Don't apologize for anything. These stories, we go on and on. I, you know, I don't, this is great. Um, so, all right, so you're running big in Costa Rica now, you know, 2005. And, and I, you know, I know this because the one thing you and I share in common is we both got pinched by Queens. Uh, granted, it was seven years apart, but, uh, you know, that's one thing you and I have always shared together. And I remember it, you know, like it was yesterday. So why don't you bring us to that on how that whole thing went down? Uh, yeah, so I guess it's 2005. Um, you oh, just one thing. Uh, yeah. I'm booking a lot of suckers. I'm booking a lot of that. 
I get annihilated by the Asians. And I got the whole NBA referee. I didn't know the games were fixed, but I'm like, how are these guys? And they had lost a lot of money, but they, they, a couple million dollars. Uh, and I kept writing them. Um, but you were asking about big bets. And I remember in that 04, 05 timeframe, I mean, they won every bet, every bet. Uh, but this brings me up to 05. And even when I got indicted, I'm like, man, if they would have indicted me, you know, a little bit sooner, they would have gotten a couple more million dollars. <laughs> yeah, because you, you lost it for the NBA referee. Yeah, that these exactly. They came and got me at the, toward the end of the NBA playoffs in 05. Yeah. And I mean, how much money did I give them in 05? I mean, I had to be giving these guys 100 times a week. Yeah. At, yeah. at least. I mean, it's just they, they never lost. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so now it's it's like 05. Um, I'm, 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 in my, I'm home. I'm in Bethpage. Uh, it's like I don't know, but well, the day before I leave, my girlfriend, leave, uh, the day before I get arrested, my girlfriend's in the house, she sets the house alarm off. So uh, the police show up and I'm like, no, no I live here. I'm like, uh, yeah, okay, no problem. So, no problem. The next morning, um, she was, she had left and let that night, but the next morning, five o'clock in the morning, I hear this bang on the door. Wait, 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 and, let's start, start over. What do you mean the police, the police showed up the day before? Yeah, no, they showed. They had showed up the day before because she set the house alarm off with the code, oh, with the oh, with the alarm. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Right. Okay. So the next morning, I hear this bang on the door, and I'm delirious. It's like five o'clock in the morning, you know. And I open up the door, and I mean, my fucking block is like it, it, it. I don't even, I can't even see it. So it's just a, a wall of police cars up and down the block. And uh, I, I open the door, and I'm like, "Hey, I'm Chris Bruno. I live here." You know, same thing I said the day before. And the guy grabbed me by the back of the neck from the door him up from my, when I opened the front and he fucking threw me down on my bricks and then he picked me up and I only got boxer shorts. I, that's it. Guy picks me up, slams me up against the side of my house and cups me. He's like, we know who the fuck you are, rock star. Never forget it verbatim. That's what he said. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my fucking God, what did I do? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I, and when I tell you, but I had never threatened anybody. I never, you know, and I, I paid taxes. I, I just like, I did, you know, so, um, and I gave the car to my wife, my, my Mercedes. I gave the car to my wife's uh, brother, to my whatever, to, to this kid, uh, my wife's sister's boyfriend and um, girlfriend at the time. And uh, so he takes my Mercedes out to get it detailed. So I'm like, did this fucking guy hit somebody? Because I'm, dude, I'm sleeping like three hours. So I'm all, my brain hasn't woken up yet. Uh, and, and he ends up, he, I'm thinking he killed somebody in the car. And the cops come in. And they have me cuffed. I'm like, can I get a shirt? And uh, they're, they're like, no. And I'm just, like, I'm sitting in my kitchen, like in underwear like this. And now I, the people are just coming in. And I'm like, why the fuck are they here? And they're taking my computers. It's starting to register why they're here. But like, I had never really, I learned uh, very young on, like, if you don't threaten anybody, you may take a felony and you'll be okay. You know, you'll, you'll, you may, and I never took a felony. So I took one misdemeanor years before, and I, I just no idea that anything like this could ever happen. And then I see tax tax enforcement police come in to that. You know, they're all wearing separate jackets and stuff. And the cops are in my kitchen, the uniform. Well, I want the Sub Zero refrigerator. Yeah, I want the the Viking oven. I want to cook the wolf. And they're just like fucking looking at me and just, yeah, I'm gonna take that. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, ripping the house apart. So they're like. Uh, I'm like, please don't go up into my master bedroom. My daughter, who's four years old, I'm like, uh, please don't go up there. She's sleeping up there. 
And uh, the guy says, uh, now she sleeps at your mother's on Monday night. And I'm like, holy fuck. How to, I'm like, no, nah, she hasn't slept there in the last three weeks. She's here now permanently. She used, to, she used to sleep there on Monday night so I could do figures to them. We paid every customer, by the way, on Mondays. We paid all the winners on Mondays. Get it out of the way. Which was great for business, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was phenomenal. So that was my day to meet and do everything. So, but now my daughter was with me on Mondays. So every day. Um, so now the cops are like, no, she's not. I guess she is. So I'm like, can I please wake up my daughter? They're here like three hours. They're like, no. I'm like, please don't wake her up like this. Don't let her see me like this. And they're like, uh, you should have thought about that before you fucking whatever they're saying. And he walks me up the stairs and uh, he, he, I'm in the doorway. And uh, I remember crying uh, first time because I saw my daughter and I'm oh, what the fuck? I'm, like I, I made sure, even though it was just me raising her, I made sure that she had like a normal just normal as, as normal as you could be living with it you know having your dad as a big bookmaker you know but it wasn't like insanity uh even though i should go back when she was one year old um there was no smoking in the office and uh i used to, her playpen was set up in the office i don't know if that's good or bad but uh so when the cop wakes her up and when i wake her up and the cop is there um I'm, it's upsetting you know but i end up carrying it downstairs cop lets me get a cereal and uh, I look at him and I'm like, thank you very much. Thank you. And he's like, you're not a bad guy. And uh, I'm like, thank you very much. And uh, he allowed me to, so my daughter never knew. Um, and he was just, you know, just something, uh, ace is this guy, just the only super classy guy. No agenda, no nothing. He was just, he had followed me for three years and he just knew, you know what I mean? He knew every aspect of my life, like every phone call he listened to, Every business deal he knew, everyone that screwed me over he knew, um, and that was that. So uh, he says, where do you want your daughter? Or this other guy comes in, where do you want your daughter to go? And I'm like, uh, my mother? And they're like, uh, no, can't go there. We raided her house, and uh, she didn't get arrested or anything, but, but uh, she can't go there. I'm like, uh, my girlfriend? They're like, uh, no, she can't go there either. I'm like, why? And they're like, we picked her up. I'm like, you picked her up? Like, yeah. I'm like, all right, my brother, you know, they're like, no, we picked him up too. And I'm like, holy. And my brother was a, a Wall Street guy. So uh, he had given me a bunch of, not a bunch, but I, you know, during Christmas parties I had gone to with him, I, you know, I picked up a lot of customers from him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so he got tied up in this. Uh, two, I, I met my, my wife, my girlfriend, uh, sometime in 03, beginning of 03. So we're dating maybe six weeks. I'm in, I'm in um, Connecticut and I had a, a, a big, big shot for CNN uh, on TV, a big shot guy from CNN. He wants to, he's betting with me and he owes like 28,000 and he's, he's on his way to Atlantic city. He's like, let me pay you. And the guy knew I wasn't around. He's like, let me meet somebody in the city. I just thought dating this girl. I'm like, Hey, can, can such and such drop off money to you? She's like the guy from TV. And I'm like, yeah. She's like, no. Leave me out. And she worked for a law firm, my girl at the time. <laughs> and uh, she's like, no, just leave me out of it. I'm like, please. I'm like, whatever you, we'll go shopping later. Can you just please pick it up? And she's like, okay. Four months later, same thing happens. She's like, I told you that was a one-shot deal. I'm not just saying this is, this is how fucked up what happened. was. But two and a half years later, they arrest her for making that one collection. $75,000 bail they give her. Oh they, give, they give me a three million dollar bail. Oh uh huh. They, it was just it was uh, it was chaotic. It was it was it was terrible. Um, 
because I was flying so much to Costa Rica and they wanted to basically, you know, find out later on that they want to just scare the shit out of everybody into taking a plea deal. And you don't want to have happen to you what happened to Chris Bruno. And uh, that was that. And then I ended up going away. So that's the crazy part about this, you know, because yep. first, you know, again, this is a first time, you know, I know you had a misdemeanor, but you wind up doing three years yep. for a bookmaking charge. Well, it's on, it's enterprise corruption, enterprise Rico, corruption. The, the New York yep. version of Rico, the yep. Oka, um, but, but I'm just saying enterprise corruption, but it's just like, it's, you know, there's a first time offender kind of, or, or, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like, and they knew you were a good guy. How did, how did, you know, the three years, how did that happen? Well, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, just the three years. It was eight and a third to 25 or so I thought, you know, when I, when I go in, cause I, I'm getting hit with the max and uh, I'm being, you know, what's fucked the, the crazy part was I'm in, I'm in Atlantic city. And uh, the, the guy who was betting me a hundred times a game said, Hey, can I see you on Tuesday or Wednesday instead of Monday? Cause we the Chinese who I was giving like a hundred dimes a week to like, they were just like a permanent payroll that I had to pay every week. And I owed the guy like 300,000. And I'm like, let me see you on Wednesday. And then he says, uh, all right, no, uh, why are you, what's going on? What's meanwhile, I didn't want to come all the way back to New York to get the money. Just delay the guy. I've already given this guy like fucking four or $5 million. You could wait two days. So until I got the money from the other guy, so I didn't have to come back to New York. So I tell Chi on the phone, dude, right now, like, I'm in hiding, okay? Don't tell anybody where I am. Just tell everybody I'm away. Don't say I'm in New Jersey because they're going to want to – you think you're close enough to come back to pay him. We're meeting such and such on, you know, Tuesday night. We'll take care of him either Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. Like, right now, like, I'm, an, I'm like Osama bin Laden. I can't be found. So at my bail here, and my, my, this is after nine – Nobody could find Osama bin Laden. He's hiding in there. So I did not mean it complimenting myself. Like a, at my bail hearing, they said that I, all they did was they played the tape of, I said, I'm like Osama bin Laden right now. That's all they played at my bail hearing. They didn't play. Oh, God. They didn't play. the, 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 the And they put it in the Daily News and they put it in the time. They put it in every, the self-proclaimed Osama bin Laden gambling. Unbelievable. Like, you got Dana and I running around. He's feeding the world. We're 20% of everything we make, we're giving away. You know, 20% forever. Um, and here and I they, am. They, and they knew about all that. They, they knew everything. They knew everything. They even arrested Dana. And Dana said, I can't do this anymore because in the eyes of God, I, even though I don't think we're breaking of that bit, but we must follow the laws of the land, he tells me. So he says, I want to build a church. Can you give me $250,000 in Oh, three or oh, four or oh, five and oh, six, and then we'll be done. And the whole business is yours. And this is why I want the money. It was all for church. And I'm like, deal, Dane, deal. So I was paying him and then it was a hundred percent mine. And, uh, and then they arrested him because he was making money. And so he was basically charged with not being the founder, but I was charged as the ringleader. And he was uh, like third or fourth down the line. Uh, the guy, Joe, who I told you, a very good friend of mine, the one who was in Disney when we got, I got beat up in the office. Uh, he ended up getting two years, but they, so anyway, they, they, they charge me and, uh, it's eight and a third to 25 and I can't make bail. I cannot, because not only can I, my bail strip, they froze all my assets. They frozen everything. They frozen my parents' stuff, everything. 
Um, they made my girl when she went, they made her go to a bail sufficiency hearing where they, she, they had to prove when she got her 75,000 to post bail from. My brother had like a $250,000 bail. He was charged with an E felony. They didn't do the 10%. I don't remember what it was, but I just know what his bail was. I don't know what, how they paid. I don't know what, what the point is. The, the Queens, the, the, uh, the DA has the right to ask, where are you? Either how are you paying the bail or where did you get the assets to post collateral with? So in other words, if, you know, if I, if the guy says, I'm going to use my car, if you tell, if you say, I'm going to use my car to help Chris and I paid for that car, you can't do it. And you're going to lose your car. So a lot of people just like, kind of like ran away. Yeah. So, um, so I ended up coming home. Uh, when did I, 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 my lawyer tells me that, uh, uh, I signed a flat rate agreement with my attorney. I'll make this talk quick, but I, I, uh, I signed a flat rate agreement with this guy, Anthony Capitola, the biggest low life attorney in the world. I signed, uh, he tells me you're facing eight and a third to 25. He goes, I'm not going to allow you to do that. You're a good guy. I've been with you from the beginning, yada, yada, yada. He goes, I'm going to see what I can do. So, uh, I, he comes to Joe. So I signed this flat rate agreement, no matter what it is, it's going to be $200,000. So we get my bail lowered. We end up going to the Supreme, uh, to the, uh, Supreme court in Queens. And then we, cause we're, we go from criminal to Supreme and then we go to the appellate division and, uh, this DA who her name was Perry Kadenoff at the time, she ends up fighting me so that this, this judge in the Supreme court says, why is this guy have a $3 million bail? And then he, so he lowers it down to a million dollars and, uh, we, we, and then she puts a stay on it. So I can't even make a million dollar bail. We go to the, the court of, I'm in jail for like three, three months, three and a half months. So finally she says, uh, and this is Rikers you're at. This is Rikers dude. Oh, God. Dude, this is just the worst. Tell you know, me. I mean, I went to bed with millions of dollars and like, I woke up with fucking underwear in Rikers Island. I mean, it was just, it was, and again, it's not like, 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 you can't just like make bail, clear your head, be home in 24 hours, take a shower, eat some chicken parm and like everything's back to normal. Like you're like there, like all summer, a hundred degrees, people are like stabbing each other. You know, like, like this is like the wire only like real, like it's all happening like right here. And, oh and, and, and I'm not rough, but you're like, you're like the only white guy too. So it's like, it's, it's just not a good look. It's not a good place to be. Um, Funny story, as soon as I make it to Rikers Island, the first night that I'm there, I'm on the front page of the news, uh, New York Newsday that they hand out to all the inmates, uh, like $360 million bookie. I swear, to God, I swear, it's on Thursday's paper, May 19th, uh, 2005. I'm on the front page of the freaking paper. And everyone's looking at me, is that you? I'm like, no, that's not me. No. <laughs> I look at it now, it was just, it was just, it was just complete insanity. Oh, shit. Yeah. So... Um, but, uh, so you I signed the flat rate agreement with the, I signed the flat rate, right. I signed the flat rate agreement with the attorney. Um, I ended up making bail in late August. Uh, so I, I make my bail. Uh, he tells me whatever. So we have a court date, tells me to go home, take a shower and then come and see him Monday morning, which I don't go see him Monday morning. He says, uh, we're going to go to court on Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever. So I go to my first court, my only court date since my arraignment, dude, this is the only court date. Now it's like August. 31st or 29th, right around there. And he said, end of August, he says, guess where I was last night? Where? I went out with the bureau chief of rackets. And he's like, he goes, an old friend of mine. 
He goes, somebody had to get it through the Perry Cadden off that uh, she she has to negotiate on this deal. He goes, I got you a three to nine and you're going to get the shock program. And he goes, but you have to take the deal now. You have to forfeit all your assets, but you can take the deal now. Now, remember, for the last three months, I think I'm facing eight and a third to 25, right? Yeah. So I like this is three to nine. I'm going to get shock for anyone who doesn't know. That's like a six month military boot camp, like officer and a gentleman, crazy shit where they scream at you, fucking whatever. I don't care. I just want to get home to my daughter. That's it. So, so instead of the three to nine with shock, you'd be out in, in a year. I'll be out six, in six months, six months, six, yeah, six months. And just, and I'm already calculating. Okay. If I go through reception, it'll take me a month here, a month, you know, um, but whatever. So now, uh, I, I, I have to turn myself, I'll just go through some, so now I'm, and, and you could have until Christmas. So I turned myself in the day after the, uh, Vince Young, uh, USC national chain, like 39, 38 game, 41, 38, whatever. So that's the, so I turn myself in the very next day after that. So uh, uh, before we get into that, what happens to the business? Business is gone. Business is gone. How about okay. your guys in Costa Rica? My, my, so my guys in Costa Rica, I would say maybe about a year before this all happened, the, the indictment, the guy Neil comes to me and says, I was booking, uh, I made a big mistake and, uh, you know, can I borrow uh, $200,000? Like, and I'm going to give you my business. I'm going to give you a big piece of my business. And this is how it works. And blah, blah, blah. Like you're going to 200,000. He says, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we go through percentages. We go through all of these things. I'm like, let me think about it. Let me think. So, and his father was living up in New York. So I end up, and obviously they need the money in New York. Uh, he goes, I need to know soon. I got to pay players. So uh, I give him, uh, I give him the 200,000 and uh, meet the father at the, again at the uh, Palestina. And uh, I would say, I, buddy, I promise you, like the very next weekend, uh, we beat his customers for like $500,000. We crushed them. I mean, he had some decent players on that sheet. Obviously, if they're going to win, you know, 200, they're going to, but we annihilated them. So now we got all the reds back. We got everything back. So I go to meet Neil and uh, he says, well, no, this guy gets a piece. I said, wait a minute. You told me that this is a 25% sheet, a quarter sheet. And he says, uh, that means we get a quarter. I'm like, me and you? No, 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 no. It's four players. A quarter means they get that. No, no. So the guy completely fucking jerked me around, did, but gave me like $30,000 and said, I owe you 170. I said, buddy, I'm out of this deal. Let's start negotiating off of uh, my head. For whatever I got to pay you rent, we'll take that money off of this. So he says, yeah, but you can't do it until after football because I need the bankroll to book. I'm like, whatever. Okay, fine. What am I going to do? I'm in his office. Then I start going. I go meet Buddy because I got to get away from him because now I see what he is. And it's just, it's just not a good luck. He just completely fucked me over. Um, then I go meet Dino and I, I, I'm going to go, I'm going to move into Dino's building. Um, and, uh, and then obviously a few weeks later, you know, a few months later, I get indicted. So my guys are still in Costa Rica and when they get indicted, so they can't call me because normally I would just take care of it. Um, they arrested Dana too, by the way, they arrested Dana. Um, he's on a million dollar bail. His church put up his bail. So he, he got, he was able to bail out and he lives in Pennsylvania, which is a homestead state where you can't Rico somebody's personal assets. So that's not why he moved there. He just got lucky. Um, so he ends up, uh, so whatever. So he ends up pleading out. He gets a year. But my guys, they kneel this, just 
terrible person turns around and we're paying $425 a month for them to live in a furnished apartment, these three guys. Neil knows the business is gone, right? The business is gone. They shut my customers down Monday morning, Tuesday. I got busted Tuesday morning. I, they probably finished writing my guys to the end of the week. And then once they realized I wasn't getting out, come Monday morning, my whole package was shut down. And my guys' key cards to get into the bed on sports building, um, they didn't work. So, yeah. And he says, I got the word from Kaplan. We, we had it thrown out. And uh, so anyway, I end up getting out. I speak to my guys. Um, my guys are like, Neil didn't, Neil, he didn't even pay our rent, our apartment. Uh, when June rolled, you know, Ju uh, Costa Rica is not like the United States. They do not have landlord tenant court. Yeah. You do not pay your rent by the first of the month. You know, like four guys are coming to carry all your shit out, you know, and you are going to leave. It's not like it is here. So they had nowhere to go. So they dicked around for a little while for about two or three weeks in Costa Rica. And then finally, one of the, one of my guys, sisters or something, worked something out with the, with the, with the DA's office and the DA paid for their airline flight for them to come back and turn themselves in. And then when I came home, I said, Neil, what the, f why would you fucking do that? Like you owe me at the time, you owe me a hundred, you still owe me 142,000. Cause we were taking like four grand a week or a flight, four grand a month off of what he owed me. And I'm like, why would you ever fucking do that? And he's like, I had no choice. All came from cap. I'm like, listen, I need my money. I got to take care of my daughter. Now I, the way you needed the 200 to say, now I need this cause I'm going away. I need, goes, uh, I don't have it, but you're going to do shot. The money will be here. I promise you when you come home, the money will be here in full. Fucking guy never took my phone call when I came home. Oh never. My God. Nope. Okay. So, so, um, so, so now you're turn, you're, you're about to turn yourself in. Sorry uh, to interrupt before, but no problems. Um, so I turn my side up turning myself in and, uh, I get, a, I get in. And uh, they, Governor Cuomo, uh, Governor uh, Pataki at the time, very hard on crime. He decides that nobody, uh, no, uh, nobody is eligible for any. Basically, I went away with like a mafia crime. Meanwhile, I really had no mafia in my crime. Um, but any enterprise corruption, and my last name being Bruno, if my last name was Schwartz or something, I wouldn't have, I would have been able to get shocked. But he says that my crime was too sophisticated to warrant early release. So that was the second day I cried as an adult when I had to call home and call my girlfriend. So anyway, my girlfriend says, you know, she gets fired from her job because they arrested her at her job. Um, they arrested my brother at his job. Um, so she gets fired. She's like, you know what? I'll, I'll watch Reagan for you. You're only going to be gone for six months. And, you know, I'll just, I'll watch her for you. I'm like, oh my God, that would be awesome. That would be great. Cause she was ready to start kindergarten, you know? Um, I always made sure she was nice and settled, or at least I tried. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, 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 I tried to do that. Um, shock never came through. Pataki said I couldn't do shock. I called my, my, my girlfriend, wife, whatever. And I said, I can't come home. I have to do this three years. And she's like, uh, what? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know what. And, and like, it was just complete. She's like, don't cry. Don't cry. You're in jail. Don't cry. Meanwhile, she thinks upstate's much different than, than Rikers Island. You know, it's much different. But uh, they made me be in this military boot camp for like three days where we had like this big black uh, drill sergeant like screaming and fucking yelling. And, and I'm participating in this program. And I'm thick, And then I got, a, I got this pink slip on my locker. And it says, I'm, go see the CO. You're criminally disqualified for shock. So I was actually in the program. Oh, 
and then I got stuck into the annex. And, uh, and then I got put into another prison and, uh, there I had to do the last, you know, I got a lot of county time and I got about four months of county time in plus a month. So then I did like, you know, another two years and seven months or so. I remember, uh, I remember when you were in, man, it was just unbelievable. Yeah. And, and, and they fuck with you in jail, not meaning, uh, guys, the cops loved me. The inmates loved me. Nobody, I never had a problem. Right. Cause I did, but I never had a problem anywhere upstate. Um, they, they mess with you. You know, they let you go to work release hearings every, every two months. They give you, they give you like, uh, the kid who works with me all the time. We say, Oh, they're giving us hope, you know, because hope is the worst thing in the world. Cause it's just, you know, when you have just like, but they make you think, you know, if you keep your nose clean, you can come back and apply back in two months and you can get work release then. And they just never give it to you. You know, I, I actually went to the parole board and when I went to the parole board, I was nervous as all hell. And the parole officer said, basically, in a nice way, he's like, uh, why didn't you make work release? And I was prepped for every question he could ever ask me. And I didn't, you know, because number, you never want to minimize your crime. You never want. And the guy's like, why didn't you make work release? And I'm like, I don't know, sir. I think I would have made a, a good candidate. And he's like, I think you would have too. And then they gave me parole. And then I just came home on parole. So you were sentenced three to nine and you, yep. you did it, but you did it all three, you did three years. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And it was, it was, uh, it was terrible. It was just absolutely terrible. Dana did a year. Dana tried to commit suicide. I mean, he did. And, uh, he, 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 he was actually in Attica. I don't want to say suicide. He was smacking the back of his neck. He was cutting his arm. He was, uh, he was just, and they put him in like a, a loony thing. Cause he was, but it was really like, we were, we took it. I didn't go through that end, but we, we were really, we were good. I know everybody thinks they're a good guy, but like we did, we did a lot of really good things, you know, and uh, we didn't deserve what the, the, the fate that we had. I mean, we just, when, when people say you're going to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law, I mean, we were. And, and the whole time I was away, I'm saying to my wife, girlfriend, whatever, I'm like, you know what? It could have been worse. We could have done eight and a third to 25, you know, thinking this whole thing through, you know? You learn a lot when you're there. You know, you learn a lot about um, people, you know, you, uh, my friend Tom. I mean, everybody abandons you except for, you know, very few people. And, and when I mean a very few, like my family, my, I, I, I never really talked to my parents again. I've never had a relationship with my brother again. Uh, they all blame you. You know, they all take money and they all, I bought my parents a condo and they just, you know, uh, and then the people like you and Tom, I mean, you know, you guys didn't really owe me anything. We just, we were just business partners. You know, we were friends, but you know, you, you don't realize who you, your, your real friends are. And it's not just a cliche. It's just, it's, just, it really happens like that. And, uh, I remember seeing Goodfellas after I came home, you know, everyone's seen it in this and that, but now you, when Henry Hill, like pops a couple of pills in his mouth and he goes, now take me to prison. And, um, and like how everybody leaves him, like everybody leaves him, you know, every, and he does whatever he does in jail. Obviously we didn't have those, we didn't do that, but you don't like everybody's gone, but like everybody and you, I was paying off mortgages for people. I was doing things you wouldn't believe. And, um, you know, you stuck by me and, and, you know, Tommy and Tom did too. Um, just my daughter was able to have Christmas because you guys, like we didn't, we thought we were going to get shock you know, and be home in six months. So my girl lost a job. They took everything from me. Uh, you know, I like, how are you going to, uh, we're prepping. So what do I leave her with? Like 70, $70,000, uh, you know, I had two, I had properties too. I was, we had to pay property taxes. Um, 
where are you going to get the money to keep going? You know, where are you going to get the money to do? I had no family left. I, I had nothing. Like straight up, not, I had credit cards, which we maxed out the second year. But, you know, you would call her and you would make sure she had stuff for Christmas. And um, you know, it was just a very, it was, it was a really, really hard time. You know, really. Yeah, it was, really it, was, it, was, it was tough. You know what I mean? It was, it was, it was a tough time. And, you know, but, you know, because everybody thought you were getting shot. And, uh, and then when that news came through, it was just like, wow. You know, yeah. so. Again, you, you can't prepare for it. You know, you just, you can't prepare for it. No, no, yeah. not at all. Not at all. And, and of all the people there. So were, were you, you know, listen, life in prison. Um, you know, are you in a nonviolent unit? No, no, that's the other people. Oh, at least you have ice cream and you could go to a salad bar and an ice cream because I had to go to the state. Apparently, from what I've learned in and out, the feds were on the case first and I didn't have uh, an OC tag to it and it was only gambling. So it wasn't juicy enough for them. And under federal guidelines, I could only do a year. Um, So they just kicked it to the state. So everyone's like, oh, you're lucky you didn't go to the feds. I'm like, you know what? I think in my case, it would have been better. But uh, so was I in a uh, unit? I was in an outskirts of, uh, I was right outside Attica. Um, so it wasn't like in the, I was in a medium facility. So like, you know, the guy next to me, he was down since 1957. But on the other side of me, a guy's doing a year for DWI. So it's a mix of people. It's a big mix. of One of my closest friends in, that I met in prison um, he was, he was down since 1980, you know, he killed two people, but he got 25 to life. And as long as you have six years to go until you're eligible for parole, uh, they, they put you into a medium. So, uh, but again, I, I had not a day problem when I was away, not a day. The cops were intrigued. Nobody had ever really seen a bookmaker and especially in state prison before. And, uh, you know, a lot of co- the baseball, I remember the, uh, one of the cops would add, one of the COs, correction officers would say, how does that baseball line work? You know, six and a half, seven, you got to lay seven and a half runs. Isn't that a lot? And you would try to explain it to them. And, you know, everybody was intrigued with it. You know, how about, the, how about the time? I remember we were, I would talk to you and then I remember somebody wanted to better parlay card. Uh, that, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, uh, officer Stewart. And then I would call you and, uh, turn around and say, Hey, you know, what's the biggest line move? The guy. Okay. So I may as well, you know, the whole story, but I'll tell you from the beginning, I'm in D block, which is uh, basically 60 beds all double bunked, like showers and toilets, like full metal jacket, where it's just on a wall. So you literally shit knee to knee with somebody else. Dude, I, I, I would wait till three o'clock in the morning to go to the bathroom. You know what I mean? That was just horrible. <laughs> so, and now up the prison I was in, there was a, like an Ani unit all the way up top. So I need to walk the, and I'm in this unit for like a couple of months down there, but I want to get up to this honor unit, but guys are like fucking in this prison for like 20 years to get to this honor unit. So I'm like, it's gotta be a way, blah, blah, blah. So one of the guys that I said was doing life, he says, he tells, he, he knows that his dorm office to bets on football. So he says, Stuart wants to see you. She so goes, if you can go four for four on this football ticket, I'll move you up here Monday morning. And I'm like, really? And uh, he's like, yeah. So then now I can't put you on my calling list. So I have, I have to call my wife who has to three-way you into the call. So now she gets to listen to it. And now she, her hair is fucking falling out when she hears it. I'm like, <laughs> I have a football ticket here. And East Carolina is, I just need the biggest line movements. Cause that's, you know, we gotta, we gotta hit this thing. 
you're like, oh, the Duke or the East Carolina, um, Duke quarterback isn't playing. And uh, what's the ticket? I'm like, East Carolina's minus seven. You're like, okay, well, they're minus 16 now. So we take that. We take this. We take, and we take for all college. And uh, I give the guy the ticket. This fucking guy plays it for $5. $5. That's it. <laughs> so uh, we go through, we go three and O at the beginning. And then we have East Carolina at night and uh, laying seven into a game that God knows where it went off at. And it ends up as uh, I think I got reception because you could get some sports stations up there on the radio. Now I'm listening to this thing like a crack, you know, this is like the biggest bet of my life. Right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is bigger than the Tampa Bay Super Bowl. Yeah. And, uh, and then East Carolina ends up, I mean, they win like 45, 45, nothing or 45 to three. And uh, Monday morning rolls around. The guy doesn't move me up to the thing. And he was off. But Tuesday morning, somebody kicks my bed at 530 in the morning, says, pack up. You're going up to, uh, you know, K block. And, uh, and then I did like the next two years up in uh, a 13 man unit uh, with four private showers, private stalls. I know people may let, but this is, this is a big deal, you know, come with it's it, it, and a nice dorm office. So he'd let you smoke in the bathroom. And this whole thing was, don't give me a hard time. And I won't give you a hard time. I'm bidding just like you're bidding. You know, I just get to go home at nighttime. So okay. don't, don't give a problem to me. And I won't give, you know, and, uh, that's how I did it. And that's how I did the next two years. Great story. Yeah. But it was, it was a, you know, it was definitely the way to get anything to get out of that lower level. It yeah. was just horrible. Um, okay. So you get released. What's next? When I come home, um, don't really do anything. I end up getting a job at like, uh, cause my wife is like, no matter what, no sports. I'm like, all right, no sports. I promise. <laughs> 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 like, what else what else is there you know what else is there so uh i get a job like installing working for a company that uh, optimum uh doing house installations and like 20 20 something bucks an hour you know and i'm like this is like this is fucking terrible but uh i, I was okay you know what i shouldn't say this is terrible i don't i got such uh acceptance from being in jail i got uh, you know i get very bad kidney stones now, you know, you get a kidney stone, you go to the hospital, they hit you with a shot of morphine, you're great. You know, you go to the urologist, try having a kidney stone in prison, bud. You know, I mean, these motherfuckers, they, they, they're like, sign up for, sign up for medical, uh, you know, sign up for sick time. I'm like, it's nine o'clock at night. Okay, the doctor gets in at 6 a.m., you know, take a Tylenol. And I'm like, I have a fucking kidney stone, you know? I mean, that's, that's, but uh, you get acceptance. You got to wait six hours to see a doctor on other times. You get... Um, so when I got the job, I was so happy to get my freedom that I didn't care. I didn't care. Um, I, I just, I just wanted to be home, you know, and I, I've always been the type of guy that would just figure it out. And, uh, and I was working for this guy. Um, I, st I got in there on a Thursday. I, I, my first day was a Tuesday and I came in on the Thursday and, uh, he paid me for Tuesday and Wednesday and said, I can't keep you. And he says, uh, you know, you're going into people's house. I think you're great, but uh, I can't lose the contract and I'm not allowed to hire felons. And, um, you know, you basically you lied on your, on your sheet. <laughs> and I'm like, well, it says you can't hire felons. I'm going to tell you the truth. Yeah. I didn't think you'd actually check. You know? yeah. but, uh, so he he's like, uh, we have a contract with them. I can't afford, if anything goes missing, I'll lose my, and I'm like, I get it, bud. And I had to go home. I had to tell my wife, what am I going to do? This and that. Then I went out and I talked to Tom. Now I'm on parole, so I got to be very careful. You know, and I have a curfew. I have all of this stuff. And um, I went out to talk to Tom. He's like, uh, why don't you play? Why don't you do this and that? You know, you're good with this. And, that. 
And then he gives me like this account and I'm like, I'm not going to turn into a crack. And he's like, you know, the gambling world has changed a lot in the last three years and everything's on the internet. Now they got prop bets for all this stuff. And I was always good at prop. You know, whenever the Super Bowl props came around for the Super Bowl, I would always, always did well with that stuff. Um, well, anytime the weird events would, I would always know things. I just, I don't know how, but uh, I know how, but that's another story. But you, you, so he was like, why don't you do that? He's looking at it. And uh, I look at the website. It's like team to score first, team to score last in baseball games. Will the run score in the first inning? This, that, and the other. And I'm just thinking about this, thinking about it all. And um, I remember being in bed one night and all of a sudden at 3.30 in the morning, this first inning bet just like fucking hit me like like dynamite in my head. And uh, I called you the next morning and said, you know, let's, we got to hit some accounts here. And uh, well, it's not coded for props is what you just said. We got to do all this code. And then you, I mean, if you recall, uh, well, I must've stayed with you. Um, you came up here. Cause I couldn't leave New York. I mean, I couldn't leave my area and uh, we coded that stuff for like three days. And uh, then we just started betting. Yes. Score in the first inning. And, and you, uh, I remember you telling me you learned that while you were in prison, just reading box scores and uh, watching hall of fame uh, inductions and just certain things. And that, this, the box scores and all that stuff. I, I got in trouble for prison one when I was writing down box scores and all these odd things because uh, you, you know, you were like, keep your eyes open or do all. So like, I didn't do it because you said it, but it's just like, like I had nothing but time. Like I read every, I, but I never, I told you college wasn't for me. Uh, I read every James Patterson book, every Dean Koontz book, uh, every Michael, Con who writes uh, the Lincoln lawyer, Michael Connolly, every Michael Connolly book. Like I was reading sports almanacs, just anything I can get my hands on, I would read. Um, and, and, and then it was, I was watching a Hall of Fame speech on ESPN, a, a, a taped one or something, whoever it was. And he was like, boy, if my ERA was better in this first inning. And then he started saying it. Then I started looking into other things and I just found this serious, serious pattern, um, which was just unbelievable up until maybe about three years ago. I mean, we, we crushed that shit. We crushed that. Yeah. We, we were taking like a dollar 40 on, on yes in the first, and nobody ever moved the law. Like you, like I'm, I'm like, listen, the, the line should be like minus a dollar 10. We're taking a dollar 40. You would call me back for a seven o'clock game. I'm betting 11 in the morning. And you'd be like, you know, that plus a dollar 40, it's plus a dollar 55 now. And I, maybe you should wait. And I'm like, but, and what, I'm like, it doesn't make sense. Like, why are they moving? Like, like you're going to play, like they were moving it. Like, so not only, so we were able to stay under the radar. To, to such a level where you're laying a dollar forty and you're not beating the closing line. It was the only time in life where we actually stayed under the radar for like a while with it. Yeah. Like like it was just it's it's and they nobody knew why. They were just moving the lines. They were just nobody knew why. And even Pinnacle was taking a dime on a first inning on bad lines. Yeah. And you don't and this lasted for a while. Years. And years. And I don't like years. Like oh uh, toward the end of 08, started with the playoffs in 08, and then almost a decade. Yeah, and then it was still strong in 16. Uh, 17 was probably, you know, we were still doing it last year, yeah. and we've done a few this year, but not. The, yeah, only but now they're, they're few and far in between now. But, yeah, very, very. And plus, you know, even back then, everybody was using a 10 cent line both ways. Oh, now, yeah. every, you know, now everybody's at 20 cents, which really hasn't even hurt it that much because there was so much value in it. But um, what just quicks now. Obviously, I do everything with you. Playing on your accounts, it's nice because 
you know, you're giving it so much other shit, so much real games. It's very difficult to maintain a prop account on your own, right? We're only playing props, you know, it's it's just, it's, it's, but I used to get away with at the beginning. Hey, I I love fantasy football. That's why I do it. And I don't want to play games. I don't, you know, and that, that buys me some type of time. At times, brother. I always ask everybody on this, you know, you've given such great stories and you're such a a great guy and I've known you for so long. and You're you're just one of the best in the business and one of the sharpest guys I know. Um, And a lot of guys that listen to this podcast, it's called Be Better Betters. A lot of new up and comers, they're always trying to look, you know, maybe for uh, some advice or maybe something. Maybe can you leave us, you know, for somebody that's up and coming in the business or maybe want to turn pro, you know, what one bit of advice can you give somebody to be a better better? Don't bet. No. Uh, <laughs> that's perfect. No, that's it. No, that, we just leave it at that. <laughs> no, I mean, if you, if you want something positive, you, like everybody thinks that their bookmaker is solid and, and they think, and if you are going to become good, I mean, the, you have to put into, you know, like we put into our win, like uh, that you're not going to get paid. And, uh, and unfortunately the shopper you get, I mean, it's, it's aggravating, but I mean, it's, I don't get, I don't get stressed out when I lose. I don't get stressed about anything, but when a bookmaker just burns me and it happens weekly, it's, it's, and again, all we're doing, we're not cheating. We're not doing, I'm not doing anything wrong. Um, you know, guys don't, they just don't want to pay winners Yeah. and, uh, unless they're betting into a pinnacle or a Chris, but if they're getting it from the guy, if they're getting an account from their friend, Steve, who's in the union with them, I mean, it's just not a good look, you know, maybe they, they want to go sign up with a real, a reputable bookmaker and, and look for, you know, I'm sure people have said this before, but look into the little sports, you know, look into the little stuff. Don't look into the big stuff. You can't really, you can't really beat it, you know, unless obviously you're running stuff after 25 years, like you're running, but you can't, if they're just up and coming, just stick with the look, look into props. You know, it's a very small market Absolutely. And, and have a lot of outs have a lot of outs to shop a lot. You know, we had a guy yesterday I sent through for you. One of the accounts last night. I don't know why they were using six and a half on the game. I have no idea why. So we grabbed the, I mean, maybe we grabbed four accounts at plus six and a half, but like a, a bookmaker's opinionate, yeah, slam them on it. Don't do not think that they are smart by opinionating. They're stupid and just grab that. Now, if they're opinionating and they went to five and a half on the line, that's four and a half. Fives are kind of dead, so don't do that. But if you have a guy going from six, from four to six, or from six to seven, just grab that, grab that Absolutely. dog. Absolutely, Chris. Thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, you have so many stories to share. We could probably spend another, you know, several days just hearing all these stories. There, uh, I know there's several ones. At the time you were playing uh with the asians uh when they took you to play mahjong and there's so many stories that you have it's just unbelievable they're just endless but um hopefully one day we'll bring you back on and and we'll go through some more stories um but i really appreciate it brother and thanks so much for taking the time anytime thanks pal well if you stuck around this far i really appreciate it thanks so much for listening chris is one of the best storytellers in the game and uh he's been around for a long time good friend of mine I've known him for so long and he's such a such a good guy one of the best in the business um, and uh, he's just so honorable such a good-hearted person and, and very intelligent really smart guy um, so uh, 
you know, he don't do interviews, just like a lot of people on a the podcast, they don't really do interviews, but he, uh, I, you know, had to ask him a few times, and he wound up saying okay to come on, so um, I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed recording it. Thanks so much for the time, until next time.